0: Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I am in, uh, I'm on vacation with my family. We're in a, in a Winnebago, and uh, I just realized this morning I will be spending, oh, I just announced tour dates today. We have a list of tour dates, new cities. Let me see if I can read them off to you. Uh, starting August 10th in Wichita, Kansas at the Starlight Drive-In. August 11th, Kansas City, Missouri at B&B Drive-In. These are drive-in movie theaters i done. I can't believe you don't know this, but drive-in movie theaters so you can stay socially distant, socially safe. Tailgate, have a great time. Memphis, Tennessee on the 12th. Louisville, Kentucky on the 13th. Columbus, Ohio on the 14th. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the 15th. Philadelphia on the 16th. Cape Cod, Massachusetts on the 18th. Oceanport, New Jersey at Monmouth Park on the 19th and then maybe possibly something in North Carolina on the 21st. Who knows? Uh, But I just realized today I'm spending my entire vacation with my family in a fucking, quote-unquote, tour bus. Oh, my God. Yesterday I said, uh, hey, just so everyone knows, no shitting in the RV. And they're like, wait, what? why not? And I said, it doesn't matter. Why not? Don't do it. And they're like, we've already done it. I said, who? And they were like, everyone. Everyone shit in the fucking RV yesterday, so it smells like a It smells like shit, and we had no air conditioning yesterday, so I was sweating my ass off. Um, Check out two new bears. One cave is up. uh, Two New Bill Burt is up with me, Bill, and uh, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Uh, I'm going to start drinking. I hope you are having a good time with your family. Uh, If you can get out and have a vacation where you stay socially distant, we are in an RV. Zero contact. I'm doing this, by the way. I'm such a cunt because... I was so strict. I'm so strict about this stuff, by the way, not because I'm like a social justice warrior. Cause I think I have obsessive compulsive disorder pretty bad. And so I'm like, no one touch a fucking thing. We're getting the RV and the guy is walking us through the RV and I'm just losing my fucking noodle. He's wearing a mask. Leanne's wearing a mask. And I'm like, Leanne, just get, I was like, I'm being irrational. My daughters had to tell me to chill the fuck out. They're like, Hey dad, it's okay. We're still within five feet of people. We're we're and so and I'm just being an asshole. So today we're getting on a boat and we're not getting near a fucking soul. I'm ready for this fucking virus to be over. Because I would not be in I'd be in fucking Hawaii, okay? Today's episode's a great episode. We taped this a, a while ago, back when the last dance was a thing. Because Matt Iceman and I talk about the last dance. Um uh Matt Iceman is a stand-up comedian, that's where I first met Matt. And then he started doing a show called Sports Soup, which my buddy KP Anderson and John Moore and Trevor Delikov, um, I think I just said it. Trevor's last name wrong. They all produced it, worked on it. And so I feel like I've had a kinship with Matt for a very long time. Me and him were host guys that we could also do stand-up. And so we talk about hosting a little bit. We talk about American Ninja Warrior, which is Curtis' current show, which is an absolute smash hit. This is... Uh, we're getting ready to go on the boat. So let's just fucking go. You ready? <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, today's BirdCast, Matt Iceman. This
1: is Hey, buddy. Nice. How you doing, man? Good. Good. I, I like that I'm seeing your belly right over your shoulder.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> Guy Fieri saw that, and uh, he was like, "He was like, wait, does that say secret Time' behind you?" And I was like, "That's my branding." <laughs> <laughs> wait, what's what do you have behind your? What's what's in your background?
1: Oh, uh, so this is Clean House Home Makeover Show. Yeah. Oh, uh, I remember Clean House. Yeah, of course, you'll lay I in the in Show. Yeah. Yeah. This was oh, a fan shit, actually. I, I fucking definitely remember <laughs> Clean House <laughs> with Niecy Nash. Mm-hmm.
0: Niecy Nash is like the branding queen. Man, she, she, took, she took a career from like kind of nowhere.
1: And then all of a sudden, I mean, I think she did comedy clubs. Yeah. Reno 911. She'd never been a standup, but she was such, and she still is such a good performer. Now she's a multi-time Emmy nominated actress working with like Ava DuVernay. And, and I'm still in reality TV. So. <laughs> Nash. Wait, God damn it. What was she like to work with? Oh, exactly what you expect. Like a total diva. But awesome. Like, I, I mean, in the best way where she was just, just, just all the time. She she was what you saw on camera. This just unbelievable uh, personality, like just didn't take any bullshit and, yeah. and would, wouldn't suffer it either. So the producers were always like walking on eggshells, which was great because particularly then... You know, they would just kind of put the talent in a meat grinder, and and she was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. God, "I wish," and I had I'm like, had "She, she had speaks that. for us."
0: I wish I had that. Like, I feel like I've gone through my whole career. I bet, and I feel like you have too. But like, I feel like both of us, and I'll speak for you. You don't have to disagree with me, but and please don't, please don't ever disagree with me. But like, <laughs> that,
1: that's my approach in life. Don't disagree with me. I don't want conflict.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've <laughs> gone through this business just making sure. Nice guy, do the work, show yeah. up. Like never, like never has there been a story. And then, by the way, I, and there are people I worked with. I'm sure you can say the opposite about me. But like, not being a diva, showing up, yeah. being nice,
1: dude. So I did, I did Celebrity Apprentice, and on there, one of the the showrunner was like, Matt, just happy to be here, Eisman. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I I really am happy to be here. And appreciative of the work, and you're right. Sometimes I wish I'd be like, no, no, no. I value myself more. I'll say no, but I love saying yes to things, and, and I'm, I'm I'm a people pleaser to probably a an unhealthy degree. So, why do you think? Why do you? I am too. But why do you think we do that? Like, I, I think because I, I think I was a younger child, and I just my I love my mom. My mom was you know June Cleaver. She just filled me with love but I always wanted to get that approval. Not that she withheld it, but I was like, when I do well, I get praise. When I'm a good boy, I get praise. When I'm good at school. And so it was just, you know, I, I kind of equated doing well and, and making other people happy was my, I mean, I, you know, it's really a thing I've been like, you know, in my late forties now reflecting on life. I it It's something, and I, I think it's something that serves you well until it doesn't, but it's, just this thing of external validation. And and I think so much of my life, I've realized I've craved that from, from my mom, from my friends, from school, from sports, and certainly in this career that is entirely based on external validation.
0: Yeah, in my my sports, like, it's funny, I think my dad put value, not necessarily on being the best athlete, but on, like, working hard, uh, being a good sport, like all the things that to raise a good person. Yeah. My dad valued. And it wasn't like we had one kid that was on our team growing up. That was fucking amazing. But man, if the game wasn't going his way, yeah, we would throw temper tantrums.
1: Dude. I, I won, I won best sport, <laughs> which is also like, nah, that's the guy who can lose well, but I, I, have you been watching the last dance and just seeing, I just,
0: I just, I just, oh. I was on the treadmill watching the last episode right now.
1: I won Michael Jordan. And, and the thing I love about this is I always heard he was kind of an asshole, but when you watch it, you, you just see so much of it seems to be driven by this insatiable desire to win and to be better and to keep improving. And when you saw how it wasn't like he was being mean to people, he was just, he was like, I can't tolerate people not trying as hard as I am. And nobody was trying as hard as he is. So he, I, I think he was brutal on his teammates, but you watch it and you're like, that's what it takes to be at the best. And I heard, I think you and Dan Cummins were talking about it, Just you like, you don't need to be the, best. you don't need to be Kevin Hart. You don't need to be number one. You know, like I I'm, I'm content being like really good and happy. And I want to nice be, period. I want
0: to be Shaquille O'Neal so badly. Like, just a guy, like, he does those general commercials. Oh, yeah. He's just like, hey, hey, hey. So, you know, he paid, like, $5 million.
1: And uh, this is, so this is one of the, uh, like, the opportunities we get now, and I know you're going through it, too, when some of the things that like you're, you know, doing a video with the Backstreet Boys or having a band come to your house. The things we get to do now are, are things that you never dreamed of coming up. So I, I, you know, I used to be a doctor, so I was doing an event for the University of Texas. They do this big fundraiser, their children's hospital. And I was interviewing Shaquille O'Neal, so I got to spend the day with him, and and I, we go to the to the to the hospital to visit a lot of these kids who are, you know, who who, who are in, in just unthinkable situations. But one of the kids, when Shaq walks in, he goes, "Can I ask you a question?" So he's like, "Yeah," and he says, uh, "Why do you do those awful ads with the general?" And Shaq, Shaq said, "Because when I was broke, when I didn't have a penny." They gave me insurance and I am loyal to anybody who's loyal to me. And so he's like, that was the company that gave me insurance when I was broke. So I will do ads for them because I know there are a lot of people in that situation. When I heard that, I'm like, God, I I, I absolutely love those cheesy ads now because yeah. it's it's for the right reason that he does it. But it's, I love
0: that. I love, I love that he's loving his life. I love that Paul yeah. Barkley loves his life. Like, like you see those guys and I, and you wonder how much is... Is Michael Jordan loving his life? Because I have a few notes about this fucking documentary, by the way.
1: <laughs> oh, oh,
0: St- buckle up. Well, I got into it with Bill Burr about it. Not got uh, uh, it.
1: Come on, Burr. Get on know sports.
0: Is that, you know, they, uh, they obviously everyone says Michael Jordan was not the greatest player of all times. So it was Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah. That his numbers are higher than Michael Jordan's. And so if you're going to talk, and then if you're talking rings, I mean, then you look at. I guess Will Chambers. Russell, yeah, Bill, cha- Bill Russell has Bill like, Russell.
1: yeah, like thirteen rings.
0: Yeah, and so there are all these arguments to be made. I think me and you will always say, or like me, you, Bill, all that generation will always say it's Jordan because that's who we saw and he changed the game in so much. But then you start going like, so, so hypothetically, say you're, uh, say you're you're Gary Payton, and you're like, man, I wouldn't mind an ESPN documentary about me. I've got the extra money. Why don't I just make a huge fluff piece saying they, that yeah. I'm, the, I'm the greatest. And then you start going, because that's what Michael did. He was like, I'm going to make a documentary. Yeah. I'm going to make a documentary about myself because because all anyone knows me as is the crying meme. And I want to remind everyone. Or the shoe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I, you know, people have said that they're, they're kind of feeling like LeBron is staged to be anointed as the best ever. And I think LeBron may very well be the most physically gifted player we've ever seen in in any sport he, he truly is a specimen but I, I to me what we're seeing and, and of course we're a prisoner of our childhood right Jordan was who we watched like the same way mike Tyson was versus you know Muhammad Ali was on the downswing when we were there or, or Rocky marciano never saw them so of course you're yeah. a prisoner to what you know but but I think when you see what he did like the way they talked about the the bulls were a were a traveling cocaine circus before he gets there and within a couple of weeks they're like this guy's the leader and he's changing the culture and this insatiable desire to win and where you saw just him repeatedly stabbing the dagger into people in a way that, you know, I think LeBron has has been just a, a phenomenal player with so many accomplishments, but you see him being much more agreeable and nice and probably more business savvy about it. But there's something about us where we're like, that was Jordan is ours. And I still, yeah. I still think like, I, I just watching Jordan where you felt like at the end of the game, you knew he'd deliver.
0: But, you know, but then you, you overlook statements by like Steve Kerr. Did you see the statement Steve Kerr made where he said, he goes, you know, uh, I'm not, uh, he, he was something about getting in a fight with Jordan. He said, you know, I'm a pretty agreeable guy, you know, until you push me. And I, I think it's cause I'm not that good of an athlete. And then you're going, hold on. That's humility, right? That's something that yeah. my dad taught me was to be like that. Like I always do it with stand-up. That's my basketball I always do it with stand-up. Right. I always I will always be humble about what I do on stage because quite honestly, I think people that don't look like fucking fools. Like the guys that <laughs> bring the thunder look like fucking jackasses.
1: Unless they bring the thunder again and again. Let me tell you who doesn't
0: yeah, let me like let me tell you who doesn't talk shit. Segura, uh fucking yeah. Burr, uh all the fucking all my all my favorite guys to watch that are fucking but- But I think
1: there's there's probably also more of a humility in comedy that you're, you know, in the same way in sports you lose, but it is more, it is a head-to-head thing where this is a, you know, that, that the the closest equivalent of getting in the ring with somebody, right? In comedy, we really are more competing against ourselves and you, you know, and even within a set, you can get, you can get humbled. So I I do think there probably is a different approach and that mindset needed to physically gear yourself up uh, to to fight.
0: I love that Kerr just said I wasn't that good of an athlete, and then but but he but he by the way he wasn't grandstanding, he wasn't trying to, he was just being who he was. And you're going, hold on, bro, you're a professional basketball player, yeah, like, and you're white, and you're tiny, (laughs) like. But then, but I love what Jordan said about him, and he goes, "I look at Steve Kerr walking on the court, like I played for the Bulls, I am somebody." He's like, "Bitch, you didn't, you didn't do any of this, I did it." Like, there, I'm so torn because I love the way Michael Jordan thinks. Yeah. I love it. But then I wasn't raised to think that way for whatever reason.
1: My dad was. Yeah. You know, and I I think that's a really interesting thing is we, you start to hear like this mindset, how do you shift your mindset in a, in a productive way? And, you know, right. I, I think Jordan probably hasn't had all the happiness he wants where it is this thing of, if he's not gambling, if he doesn't have huge stakes, if he doesn't have that that action on it, it's probably hard for him to sit back and appreciate it. And you know, I don't know. I I I, I don't know that you ever figure it out, right? I mean, we're always yeah. we're always kind of trying to evolve and doing the best you can. And I'm sure, like you know, you look back on yourself ten years ago or five years ago or sometimes a month ago or a week ago, and yeah. you're like, God, what was I thinking then? And you know, it it is this thing of we we are we are. And, and, you know, I, I think it's a little tougher as you do it as a comedian with all these podcasts where y- you're really making your life an open book that is so a well real
0: open fucking book. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great to have that Nisi Nash, Michael Jordan, like just I'm worth it. I feel it. I'm going to let you fucking know. Right, I'm from gonna Bern- do- I mean, Nisi Nash is such a fucking anomaly in life. Yeah. It's yeah. such a fucking snowflake and in the good war- sense of the term, like, you yeah, you fragile, <laughs> fragile, but like a real snowflake of like,
1: and you're like, all she needed was a little bit of water, and she was like, give me the water, I'll- and it was fascinating because she was she she was married, had three kids, was going went through a divorce, and was like, I'm broke, I I, I got to take care of my kids, just started calling up casting directors, going, I don't care get me in. And that's when she got Reno 911 and clean house had two successful series that went on for, you know, she was like a decade on both of those. And it was just this thing of necessity, put her back against the wall. And she's like, I, you know, I, I'm going to provide. And I think it's kind of that same. I, I, I think on comedy, you know, when you see you out there, you take your shirt off yeah, and you're like, Hey, for 45 minutes. And I, I can't imagine anybody not thinking Bert Kreischer going out there he's a machine he's in control of that crowd and in a way that people couldn't fathom it, where you see your insecurities because you have you're privy to your mind but everyone else is going that man is an animal on stage who has no fear
0: <laughs> no fear yeah i think we're just white guys I think ultimately <laughs> ultimately it's 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 like it's the the pros and cons of being white i mean me and you definitely are beneficiaries of of i guess of what they say it's like to be white where you go yeah and and i think but i think you know there should be like i was thinking today i was like there should be there's like um things online where they go uh i I was just seeing it today where they were like applauding people for uh for stuff and i was like they should do that for white guys when they go hey guys here's one of the good ones like (laughs) <laughs> He's not a fucking bad one of those rare good ones yeah like you get you get all these harvey weinsteins and like these bad people in hollywood yeah they are just atrocious animals to work with and to be around and to like they just incorporate such negativity and everything and then you get you who like everyone like they go happy to be here some people can see that as like a as a as a slight I, me and you don't we go yeah yeah we're yeah. very lucky to be here like yeah I'm, I'm I'm really happy to be working I love what i do i'm I'm malleable if you want if you want to tell me something I'll figure it out
1: yeah i, I, I so i just I just did a RuPaul's drag race and yeah. and got to go on and and you know just as a, as an example the the uh, the person i was the queen I was working with was Kim Chi, who went on the show a number of years ago when his mom not only didn't know he was a drag queen, didn't know he was gay and was like on this show coming out. And you just imagine, you know, that's something I've never, never, you know, telling, telling my parents I was leaving medicine to do comedy. It's nothing. It's, it's like one great life to another. Like, but but you see in the courage for these people and imagining what it would be like where you're not, you're not able to just be yourself. And, and, I think that's you know, which is honestly, I think comedy is always the search for right, trying to peel away all the bullshit to to really be yourself. Which it sounds like it's the hardest thing, right? Being on stage and really trying to be honest and and, and vulnerable, and not say, oh, I, I'm going to say things I think people are funny, or or I'll dress it up, but just being vulnerable. And you see when people do it, I, I, I people respond to it. I, and I think it's one of those things that you know we we get into this career and we spend our whole time undoing what we thought we would try to do it, just getting back to who we were, you know, growing up or trying to be that honest person. And it's, 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 it's a challenge, but again, uh, you know, I, I, I right. <laughs> when we look at pros and cons, our pro list is probably a lot, lot longer. What was it?
0: Uh, I wanted to, I don't, I feel like not enough people know you were a doctor.
1: Yeah. Like John stole my thunder. Totally. You were the original by the fucking Asians, man. They do it every time. Oh. He actually, so you know, I I, when he was still practicing, he he worked at uh, Kaiser in the Valley, and he he was kind of he was a comedian on the download, like he didn't want anyone to know, but he he knew I was a doctor doing comedy, and he he had me come to his practice, but he's like, you cannot tell anybody that you know me from comedy. He's like, I'd be mortified. Cut to the Hangover when he's out there with his ding dong hanging out, like secrets out, Ken. It cut up. But I'm sorry, there. I missed it.
0: I said you want you want to talk about bravery. God damn it.
1: Oh, right. And and you know, rare is it. I think rare is it where you really look on on a career and think that moment made him. Usually, it's cumulative, right? Where something's been going on, but you just saw Ken. That moment just transformed. Not just describing I think his life that he yeah, walked yeah. walked away from medicine and all of a sudden has been a massive star. A massive, a massive star. star.
0: So wait, when, <clears throat> when you met him, When what, so you started, did you start in Colorado doing stand-up in Colorado?
1: Yeah, I, I, the first time I did it was in New York when I was in med school. I did it probably a handful of times. And then when I was doing my training in Colorado, I would go to the Comedy Works. I'd go to Comedy Works downtown and do the open bike and probably had probably done comedy like 15 times when I was taking a break from medicine and then moved out to LA to do stand-up. So it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as though, it wasn't like I knew, listen, I'm going to become a comedian. It was, I, I need a break from medicine. My, my heart wasn't in it. I wasn't passionate about it. And I will tell you, given everything that's going on right now, I'm so glad I left. Dude, I, I said, couldn't imagine being in the hospital. I said to my
0: cardiologist today, I had a cardiology appointment on Skype. Yeah. And I said to my cardiologist, he was covered head to toe, big goggles, big mask, gloves, and he's at the computer, just talking to me at the computer. Yeah. Like, I was like, uh, I was like, I was like, Hey man, I, I really appreciate you doing this. I'm really sorry. You have to do this. Like, I'm sorry that you have to be in there. I yeah. have, I'm sorry. You have to be doing any of this. And he was like, eh, that's what I do. You know, it's like, whatever, you know? And I was like, it,
1: but it, it, it really is to, to look at it, how it's become like, medicine isn't a job. I always said it's a calling, right? People are placing their lives in your hand. That's a sacred trust. But right now, you know, doing that is putting themselves, they're, they're putting their lives in harm's way to help other people. And it's, you know, I've, I've had some people, friends of mine from, from med school who've contracted COVID. They all seem to be okay. But you're just thinking, my God, we're, you know, we're doing everything we can to avoid it here. And these people are going in there knowing they're exposing themselves to it. And what that must be like going, you know, you're coming home to a family or you're, you're isolating in your house. You're not seeing your family to to imagine the the stress of what they're going through on a daily basis, going is today the day I get it.
0: I can't imagine. I can't imagine not. I can't imagine just being separated from your family because you feel like you may be infected. I mean, yeah. I would, so wait, let's let's go back to the beginning because I'm I'm there. I feel like I know a lot about you, but I feel like not enough people uh, no. do. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like people just know you from like American Ninja Warrior, The Apprentice. Like the I feel like they know you as like this guy but don't know who the fuck you are. It, it, do you ever feel, do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like, like, uh, let me, Do you, tell me if you feel like me. I feel like sometimes people go, oh yeah, you're the Van Wilder thing. And I go, that's not me. Like, right. I, I feel like I appreciate it. Like, but I had nothing to do with that fucking movie. Like, <laughs> please don't connect me with that fucking movie. Like, I know, trust me, I know that I did connected myself for a while. Like, <laughs> I'm a fucking comedian. Like, I feel like I'm, right misrepresented sometimes and I don't correct people. So I'm just happy anyone knows me. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Going back to that being just being happy to be here. Right. That anyone knows me from anything. Yeah. I'm elated. And right. Most people, you know, Ninja Warrior, the show is the star. You rarely see my face and, you, you know, we're, we're not funny. It's a very earnest show. Um And, you know, Apprentice was great, but not a lot of people ended up watching it. It got politicized. Live rescue you know when we're working with first responders again you're, there's there's a very tone there for, for me comedy is my first love i I, I love stand-up I, I love trying to be funny in anything but most of the stuff I've done or that people would know me from comedy hasn't really been the driving force behind it so it's you know it, it's it's look i I'm so lucky to have a career and to have ninja warrior that's gone on for over a decade but you're right yeah of course I would you know love to be. Known as Matt Eisman, a funny guy who also happens to host American Ninja Warriors. But also was a
0: doctor, played football, like yeah, all right. those things about you. I always like, like, I remember when you showed up in my, on my, on my spectrum where I was like, Oh, I know him. Um, it was like, Oh yeah, this guy from Colorado played football doctor, uh, and then gave it all up to follow comedy. That's when everyone goes like, there's like a, there are, Five of you, like it was Geraldo gave up a, a, a yeah. law career. Dimitri gave up a law career. Yeah. He gave up being a doctor. Dr. Ken gave up. Like, it's a small group of people who, by the way, were going to be successful on their own right. They gave it up and became successful in this business. And it's kind of like a neat little fraternity you guys have.
1: Yeah. And, you know, right. Most people are like, oh, other than you got a five minute bit on having been a doctor. Most people are like, we don't really... You know, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? And it's, I think that's, you know, we, God, it's such a funny business we're in where you're always trying to increase your recognition, right? To try to be relevant, to try to let people know, because there's also a fear of, you know, everything ends. Ninja Warrior is going to go away.
0: Um, you know, everything ends. I'm going to hang on one second. I want to, I, my first TV show, when it got canceled, Mark Cronin, Do you know, Mark Cronin, no. him. He was, he was good friends with Kate. He hired KP Anderson. Right. Oh, okay. John Moore. He Was, was this trip
1: flip or which one was this?
0: No. So, uh, birth to conqueror. No, no. It was, uh, it was called the X show. It was a show that was on FX and it was one against the man show. every yes.
1: night. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so, uh, it was like my first TV show and it got canceled and he brought me into his office and opened a bottle of scotch the middle of the afternoon, we just found out we were canceled. We still had like a week left of shooting. And so he- Oh, that's fun drink, too. <laughs> yeah. Poured me a drink and he said, let me tell you something. He goes, everything gets canceled. I went, yeah. well? He goes, one day, and he. I remember him saying, he goes, friends will be canceled. I went, no. And he goes, yeah, all in the family got canceled. Everything will get canceled. Yeah. He goes, you have to be comfortable with that to enjoy this business. And look at that as a time to start something new. You need to be cool with that. This is a time for us to reinvent ourselves. Yes. And projects. And I went, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. I never thought about. It. And and I remember when Friends got canceled. I thought everything gets canceled.
1: Like right. Everything gets. Or canceled. or it doesn't get canceled, but you get fired and replaced. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it is. It it it, it is. I, I think the reality of this business and 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 that idea of you've made it and you you know. Whoever thinks they've made it, I guarantee like Bill, Bill Burr, I imagine is like, oh, dude, I, you know, I'd love to have a sitcom or I want to be, you know, feature mo- for him. He's like, I haven't made it. And yet everyone else looking. And I I, I think there is something of that, that hunger that if, if you lose the hunger, it's very hard where you, you, you still need to be motivated and you need to realize I need to plan for what's next. I need to keep these seeds out there because everything ends. And also the hard part, though, is also saying, hey, I want to step back smell the road. I want to appreciate this because it might not get any better. I mean, this could be the best it ever is. And, and, and I think I, I, I felt like because, because I came from medicine, I always felt like I was a kid let out of school when I came to LA and it's, it's, it's never gone away where I just, that's why I am happy to be here because I can imagine being in a hospital, working 80 hour weeks, being on call, really having life or death decisions instead you know, we're doing Ninja Warrior. I'm, 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 I'm th- th- doing stand-up comedy. Th- these things are ridiculous. So I, I think it is pretty easy to to just try. Uh, and I, I find it's very helpful to just sometimes stop and say, "Man, I know I want uh, you want more, but right now it's pretty, it's pretty fucking good." And, yeah. and I really want to like, you know, take that mental snapshot and, and try to just try to appreciate it because otherwise, you know, and I think a lot of comedians really struggle with it. Where you're, you know, where you're always comparing yourselves, where we compare ourselves to what someone else has. And when I heard you and Dan talking about that, I thought that's it where you're like, Hey man, I don't, I don't need to be, I don't need to be the king of the world. As long as I'm a hero to, you know, my family, whatever, as long as I'm doing, if I'm making a living and doing okay, it's like, man, I I want to appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's my, my mantra. Well, I have a lot of mantras right now.
1: (laughs) Introspective,
0: Bert. Man, I've been I've been massively introspective lately because I haven't been partying, and so and so I, for me, I end up sitting there with a lot of feelings, going like, okay, like I don't know. I I just thought not drinking in big stretches would would be there would be this like it's weird. My I only not drink in like thirty month, uh, thirty week, uh, thirty day stretches when we do serve right. October. And so right. what happens is I don't drink. I start feeling good. And by the middle of the month, I'm halfway through and I have a big chunk under my belt, but I'm already seeing that it's going away. And so right. in weird way, I really cherish it where I go, this is great. I know that I'm going to go back on the road and things are going to be different and I'm going to be drinking, but like I, I cherish it. And then knowing that there's no real end in sight has kind of been like,
1: Fuck. Well, look, quarantine has everybody, I, I think, reevaluating and in and, and, and such good ways where this has been, you know, where else, particularly you, as much as you were touring, doing three or four podcasts, when were you taking the time to be with your family, to slow down and say, what do I really want? Where do I want to be? And I think, you know, this has been trying to find the silver lining in this, you know, to say this has been a gift in the sense of. Would you have taken this time to really reflect? And I, I know for me, it's been, hey and then there are a lot of things that I was doing that I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't like the way I was taking care of myself or my body or the way I was treating, you know, that's it, it's that's not it a it a world. switch. Number but it's one, tough.
0: number one is health. I, I, the, for the first time ever in my life, I said, I don't want to be unhealthy. Not, I, listen, I'm always going to drink. I always want to drink. Yeah. I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the I always say my wife always says I have a hard time with commitment not in a relationship but in like (laughs) in like life I have a hard time with commitment and especially with creativity I have I love getting the project I love selling the project right I love coming up with the idea and pitching the idea I love getting in creativity's pants and finger fucking I don't like (laughs) I don't like date night with creativity I don't and I'm the same way with booze I love fucking first first beer buzz I love more than anything. Right. But man, I got like, I got, it got away from me. Uh, whatever Friday night where I was like, I was like, I'm not enjoying this right now. And I'm like, and, and and I'm
1: drinking Friday night or being sober, drinking,
0: drinking Friday night. So I I drank, I do these live, uh, uh, these live zooms with like a thousand people where we do happy hour. And I had fun on the zoom, but then when the zoom ended, I was like, I'm a little buzzed. I could keep drinking, but I don't feel like it but I don't feel like, and so I was like, but my, my takeaway, you're right. When you say you find out what you want out of life a little bit is health. I go, I, the first time in my life, I'm like,
1: do I want to be healthy. Like I want to like, like, so I'm, how is that for you though? Because you're known as the machine, right? Yeah. Your shirt off body shots where people are expecting that they come to your shows wanting to drink with you. Yeah. So when you go back out, knowing that pressure of, you know, and you're on the road, right? You work two hours a night, whatever it is. You know how is that pressure? Where it is like, hey man, this is kind of part of the act. This is part of who people yeah. think I am.
0: Well, it's, it's you know what's crazy is that I married whatever at a young age. I I had a disrespect for car- people who were doing characters in comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just didn't. Uh, I found it disingenuine. Mm-hmm. And and it, in both respects, like to find out that like Geraldo didn't really talk about his dark side. I was like. I want, I want to hear about that. Right. And then when you meet someone who like did a voice or something or did like a whole fucking person and then they got off stage and they weren't that person. And you were like, wait, why you, why do you act that way on stage? Right. I just didn't connect with that. And I was like, I'm going to be who I am on stage, off stage. I'm going to be the same person. And I think in doing that, I probably unhealthily married myself to my act Mm -hmm. in that I was comfortable being a fuck off. I was comfortable with, living the stories and being in in the stories and looking at life as a story or a bit. And like, anytime someone said, Hey, we're getting in, we're getting in this boat on the East river and we're taking it around. I'd be like, this will be a bit, this will be something. Right. And so, and so oddly enough, when you say that, like, what is it going to be like when I go back out on the road and I go, I just, it's, it's going to I'm I'm still the the guy, like I am the machine, I am right. the fucking shirtless guy, and I am the guy who loves drinking, and so I'm like, how, so I've been really kind of struggling with like, how do I <clears throat> make sure that health is paramount, and party, like meaning like, I don't ever want to quit drinking, and I want to keep living, and right, I right. want, and I, I love, I love all of it, I want to keep loving life, how do I, how do I marry the two on the road, and I think, <clears throat> luckily I'll have, another fucking month at home to figure it out. Oh,
1: well, and the other thing though, I think that you're, you, you've also uh, not by accident you've created is you have the podcast. So your fans, you know, probably a a decent percentage of who are going to come out to the shows are hearing you go through this and you can make it your, you know, now you have the opportunity of telling the story of, Hey man, I'm still the machine, but this is a new, you know, I'm taking care of myself where, because I think, you know, you see it where a lot of comedians, it's hard to grow, right? It's hard to grow past the thing that got you where you are and to evolve into that next stage to go from, you know, Metallica with the long hair, cutting their hair, you know, trying to rock a little differently. Some people may not appreciate it. It's one of those things where I think that's what's hard is the fear of, man, will they come with me on this journey? And you know, it's nice with your podcast though, where it's like, Hey, they, they already are. Hey guys,
0: this podcast is brought to you by Hims. Hymns. Is all about wellness. Forhims.com can help if you have problems with hair loss, ED, have a cold, interested in mental health, or, and this is what I absolutely love about this company, they are ahead of everyone, and you can get at home COVID 19 tests. Hims is here for you. I started losing my hair when I was 22. I had to go to a doctor, and uh, I started freaking out. 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35. I was 22. And I felt like life was moving ahead and leaving me behind with my hairline, but it didn't. and didn't because I got in front of it and you too can get in front of it. Forhims.com is a company that created by a man who knew that some conversations for men are better to have online than in person. Science can treat your hair loss. And so if you go to forhims.com, they will connect you with FDA approved products to treat that hair loss. This saves you so much time. You have no idea. Forhims will connect you with a licensed medical professional to answer online questions you have for free to see if an FDA-approved product will treat your hair loss for you. If approved, the product shipped directly to your door. Discreet packaging. You don't have to wait in those long doctor lines like I did when I was a kid. Anyone can make claims about hair loss. But if you're not happy, and this is what I love about this company, after 90 days, just email Hims, and you'll get a full refund. Today, HIMSS is giving their best offer Yet to you my listener if you're not happy with your results after 90 days Hims will give you a full refund and right now my listeners can get their first visit absolutely for free go to slash BurtCast. that slash BurtCast. disclaimer full refund of price paid available for first 90 day supply refund request must be made between 90 and 180 days after product shipment delivered Prescription products require an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, guys, that's 4hims.com slash birdcast. This podcast is brought to you by (laughs) Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pride to the simple things in life. If you're looking for an unpretentious, high-quality beer with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle, there's nothing better than the bottle that a Miller High Life has. It, it, it looks like it's, it's champagne of beers. It really is one of my favorite beers. Starting this May and August, this summer, Miller High Life will be raising a can to celebrate the summer's simple moments with the limited edition champagne cans. Simple summer moments don't have to be some big celebration. For example, if you're just in the backyard having a barbecue with your family, like all of us are doing right now, it's celebrating the first time that the the grill fires up this summer. It's it's celebrating a great sunset. These limited cans are in stores right now. I absolutely love Miller High Life. They've been faithfully brewed the same way since the start of New Year's Eve. They started on New Year's Eve in 1903, and their founders believed everyone should enjoy the good life, which is why they created the Champagne of Beers. They've been known as that famously for a hundred years. I remember the first time someone handed me one and said, it's the champagne of beers. I giggled and then looked and it was on the bottle and I went, who doesn't want to drink the champagne of beers? The champagne of beers! Miller High Life. The champagne of beers. A quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Do you feel like, let's get back to you. Let, do you feel like, do you feel, Tell I I'm I wanted I wanna I want to know about everything that got you to medicine. Like you grew up in Denver, but you grew up in Denver when Denver was like in the boom, correct?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great time to be there. And my my dad's a doctor. My dad, uh professor of medicine at the University of Colorado, the world's expert on tuberculosis, and you know, was traveling the world, lecturing on TB, but he never, never Said you should be a doctor. Never Tuberculosis.
0: Once. Colorado is where Doc Holliday died, right?
1: Uh, yeah. So they to, you know, what they used to think was the altitude, um, the dry air. They called them sanitariums. That's where people would go. Arizona, Colorado, thinking the high altitude, the dry air was therapeutic to it. Um, so a lot of lung hospitals came there. National Jewish was the one my my dad worked at, and kind of the 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 cutting edge for TB. And it's you know the altitude hasn't shown to have a huge correlation, um, but so that became his his expertise and he never he never he never suggested i go into medicine but i think what it was is I, I love my dad i have such respect for him and i saw here's the smartest man i know like a guy who you know was a stud athlete was you know hall of fame athlete in nebraska played football in college and i saw like he he was the man who I, of course i always wanted to be and i saw the satisfaction he got from medicine the satisfaction he got of helping other people and how it challenged him and so, but I really didn't give much thought, so I was in college, and, and I thought, it's time. I saw my brother graduate, and he became a ski bum in Jackson Hole, and I thought, but God, you've got you to gotta figure out what you're going to do after college. And it was, I really sat down, and I'm like, listen, I, I've been doing science stuff. I love sciences. I love people. I love the idea of helping people. And I saw how much satisfaction my dad got, so I'm like, medicine's the career for me. So, you know, I, I, go into medicine and I, I, do very well at med school and I love the challenge, the intellectual challenge. I went to a college at Princeton and then I, I did med school way, at Columbia. You
0: realize I would have dropped, there's no way I would have not said Princeton. Like there's no, <laughs> uh, so I, so I, I go to college at Princeton, <laughs> Columbia, like, yeah so fucking not
1: well once again like i said i am i'm so much more impressive on paper bert i look awesome but so i (laughs) wait 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 wait. wait. let's go back what was princeton like oh i best four years of my life for real it was you know it's i
0: don't pretend 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 the guy doing this is cutting steel for a living and he's like fucking yeah i've heard of princeton
1: but i've never i don't know anything about yeah look obviously you know it's in the ivy leagues and and uh Tell me about the campus. Tell me about the, uh, the. It is it is the stereotype. It is exactly what you expect of college. Like it's based on that, you know, the British those those Oxford kind of Gothic type buildings, and you know, it's it was founded before the country was like 1746. So there's there's this rich tradition and and you know wrought iron gates. But the, the, the few things that I really liked about it were some of the things. I, I mean, I I loved just about everything about it. But it's a very small town. Um, it, kind of midway between New York and Philly. So the The college was was the key. and and there really wasn't a big graduate school like Harvard or some of the other schools. So undergraduate, you you were kind of the big part of the campus. It's only fifty five hundred students. So it's wow. not like Florida State or something you know where you're overwhelmed. there are tens of thousands of people there. You had a sense of getting to know everybody. It's a gorgeous campus. Um, and it it felt like you know it was college, it just felt like you had the bumpers up in bowling. like you couldn't get in too much trouble. It's like I have friends who were going to New York City. I'm like, could you imagine being 18 years old in college in New York City? I just would never have worked. And, no. I, but the the best part about it was my best friends to this day. Like I've stayed in touch with probably 20, 20, 30 guys from college who we just, the best, most well-rounded, my best friends, my friends for life that that came from there. And, and it was just like a, a great shared experience that we had that we, 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 we just, you know, it was the first time I was away from home, like so many people. And it, it was just like going
0: like, to, a, it was like going to a small school with a big school reputation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, it has a great reputation and it was, I just, it's cool. Like my friends who just awesome salt of the earth guys, they've all done very well. And it's, it, it was just to me, the people there were just, just the best, some of the best people I'd ever met. And, uh, so do you, I, I, do, you wear,
0: like, do you wear Princeton shirts still? Oh God.
1: It's pathetic. It is pathetic the amount of orange and black I have. And like we get we we just had our we had our 25th reunion a couple years ago and and so I I you know they Ninja Warrior was big, so we did a ninja course. So I made these Princeton Ninja Warrior hats and shirts. And I love wearing those around. We 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 do a you get like a jacket, like a, a suit coat of, that is gaudy orange and ridiculous over the top. When you have your twenty fifth reunion, I was just walking around the house with it the other day.
0: I'm googling
1: because I can't. Uh, like, oh, it's it is. <laughs> listen, I, it's very easy to mock and with very good reason. But having gone there, I I, I loved it and I love the people I met.
0: The uh, what were the chicks like?
1: I love the guys I met. It was awesome. No, it was. Look, it was great. They were smart. So, <laughs> you know, like where everyone else, like all my buddies at Colorado, a whole bunch of friends went to see you and it was just, the dating scene oh. was incredible. Oh and my God. Princeton, that is
0: a fucking interesting jacket. I
1: would argue I went to college at the worst time in history. Like it was, AIDS was coming out. Yep. Grunge oh, was in. I could argue No makeup. It. Yeah. And you're like. There was no sex. <laughs> there was no fun. The girls were way smart and empowered, and it's like I, I, I got I hope I like I, I had one girlfriend in college. I'm like wasted, which is why I have such good friends because there was nothing else to do.
0: Nothing. Yeah, there, I remember. This is gonna sound. This is gonna sound so horrible. What I'm about to say, but I remember we went to our when I joined my fraternity. We had a big thing called Viking. That was like the big party. Yeah. Everyone on campus knew about Viking, and I remember my freshman year. I'm a pledge, and they don't have Viking. They can't have Viking, and it really sucks, man. All this no means no bullshit. is fucking ruining our fucking. Uh, and I remember being like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, apparently there was a lot of rape before you guys got here." And I was like, "Hold on, like." And by the way, I'm of that generation where, like, we were taught in high school, no means no. Yeah. Money? To this day, I think there are girls that think I'm gay because when they said no, I shut it down and was like, "Oh yeah, all right, thank you. Goodbye, take care. I respect you. I take no
1: for an answer. I I take no. no.
0: (laughs) Fuck yeah. There's women that I remember saying they said no and I went stop and was like, well, let's get out of here. And they were like, wait, what are you doing? I'm just saying no. Like, I'm not saying no, no. I'm saying like, I don't want to look like a whore. And you're like, hey, you're sending a lot of mixed messages to a kid who's got a rock hard dick and a little bit of a buzz. I'm (laughs) getting the fuck out of here.
1: And a fear, a fear of doing the wrong thing. Daniel
0: Tosh, Daniel Tosh used to say on stage, and I know that he would probably not be like, hey, man, let's not share old jokes. We get in trouble for (laughs) him. One of my favorite jokes was, uh, no means no, that's not what that means. No means work on the titties and neck a little longer.
1: (laughs) Bill, Bill does one where he's like, it wasn't no, it was no, stop you mean." And and uh, you know it, we right I think we were on that cusp of like trying that's to when be we got there is was
0: was yeah. right when date rape showed up right when AIDS was around right when women empowerment and and like the Janine Garofalo showed up with like hey fuck you I'm gonna I'm gonna speak you better listen and if you're guys like me and you which is like I'm not a, I mean I'm a meathead like I look like a meathead and I act like a meathead but I got a good regular guy heart yeah and and I think that that's an interesting we did get there at the worst pussy getting time and time. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was still, you know, a wonderful and, 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 and yeah, right. Yeah, and at so- least that you don't have the fear of, of <laughs> what did happen in college coming back. Oh
0: yeah, dude. I like, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. Anyway, I, that, I, I think that's interesting. A, a, a school experience like Princeton must've been a really like, I, I I remember not knowing anything about Ivy league schools until I got yeah. to New York and, and hearing, I think Dimitri went to Yale and he told me about Yale and I was like, wow. Like, and I remember people go, what school did you go to? And I was like, Florida state. And they were like, huh?
1: <laughs> Football hadn't been big enough.
0: Huh? I mean, my, my college it's, experience is, was so amazing, but it was nothing like there were so many different college experiences you could have.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think for the most part, one of the reasons college is great is it's, for for so many it's your first experience kind of t- testing adulthood right being away from your parents and kind of having to instill your own discipline or lack thereof and it was and it's fun because you're going through it with these friends which is why I think it's it's those formative years right those formative the people who you kind of grow up with you you're going to have this bond for life that it's just it's hard to replicate and
0: and then and then you left there did you know you wanted to get into medicine in college
1: yeah. So kind of midway through, I started doing the prereqs and then got into Columbia. So go to New York for med school. And, you know, and it was just such a radically different experience because college, you worked hard. I played sports, but it was still fun, right? When we, were, we were part, you know, we'd, we'd drink, we'd hang out, we would do trips. When you got to med school, it, it wasn't, you know, this was, hey, you're studying for a reason here. We're not here to party. And I'm like, can we party a little bit still <laughs> we oh, gotta blow some steam he's, he's off and it was That's just the, the difference of med school was such a grind and it was so competitive because you're trying to get into the program you want and and everything matters so from the beginning there's you you can't let your Gpa sink or you'll you won't match and so it was it was pressure and particularly in New York City where there's so many schools it's it's such a such a pool where, you know where people are are comparing themselves to everybody it was it was it was a grind. It was it was very much a grind.
0: And so wait, what did you know
1: what kind of medicine did you get into? So I ended up doing internal medicine, which is kind of the catch-all where you could subspecialize. You could become a cardiologist, you could do infectious disease, but I only did my first year of training. So I'm licensed as a general practitioner in California, but I'm I'm honestly useless like, cuz it's been it's been like 20 years since I picked up a stethoscope. So my oh, knowledge is I've,
0: How many times have I leaned into you like, "Hey man, I got this thing going on in my" throat. <laughs> Pretty sure it's throat. Cancer. Penicillin, Bert. Penicillin. You going? You going? And hey, check and your liver. Yeah, we're at an audition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's you know and it's it is like watching this and seeing my friends who are on the front lines and trying to do some of this research. And I just think, man, that's that is it. It's 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 a different. Li- it's not even a different lifetime. It feels like a different person back when I was in medicine. And and it's you know again, no regrets doing it. I think it really shaped me, and it was. It was really helpful coming out to Hollywood, having my MD, because I think I'd accomplished something. And so many, this is a business of no, especially when you start out and it's, you know, if you're trying to derive your identity from Hollywood, man, you're going to get kicked in the nuts. It's awful. So it's it's nice kind of having something where I felt like it's, I've done something so I can handle the nose. Kimchi. I feel like no kimchi. Kimchi, uh, so Kimchi was the queen on on uh, on um, uh, RuPaul's, who's become a big one and, and is a shady bitch. Very funny, very biting humor. But you know, and it's interesting because we're performers, and yeah. you appreciate anybody who's a good. Performer from Joel Austin or somewhere, where you're like, man, that the person knows how to work a crowd. I want to go to a
0: Joel Austin concert so bad, so where, fucking bad.
1: Man, they're doing sold out rooms, keeping I people mean, hanging week after week. That's I, that's a performer.
0: I talked to, I want to say, I, I I'll, I'll I'll save names. I talked to a few comedians who were like, hey, who wants to go get eat edibles and go to a Joel Austin concert and see him live on like a Sunday morning? And I was like, fuck yes, dude. It's by like, like way, a hard like, ticket. And far, by the way, I can definitely find spirituality high in a, I can connect. Like I, that's the one thing that's wrong with me is like it, man, you, you preach a little bit of religion to me and I can find worth in it and I can find value in it and I can walk, walk with a takeaway. I'm not some cynical guy who goes into some, someone's church and goes, fuck this, fuck them. this fucking stupid tradition. Right. So like, they were like, come on, we'll go, we'll have a fucking blast. And I was like, oh yeah. And then I was like, oh, I think they're going to fucking make fun of it. Like, I, I want to go and get high and then be like, let's just see what it does to our yeah. soul. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It, you know, it's what it, it is. Right. It's obviously religion has been such a, you know, for good and bad, but it's been an amazing tool for so many people. And yeah. and you're right. I, I, I think, com- you know, comedians are, we're moving people, right? We're, we're trying to influence them and trying to make them feel a certain way. And so I, I love watching, I love watching a great performer in anything and watching these queens who are, you know, in full makeup, in high heels, and you know, some of them bigger guys than us, like really big, just dancing and and the comedy, the way they work a crowd, the timing. I mean, it is it's an awesome, it's awesome to watch because you're like, this is a very high art. These people, the good ones are incredible performers who'd be great, you know, whatever they do. They clearly have that that gift for working the crowd.
0: I'm I'm Googling Kim Chi right now because oh. I feel like I worked with Kim Chi. Oh, really? I feel like, I, I feel like, I really feel like I worked with Kim Chi. I don't know where, but I, I, that name is so, fu- as soon as you say Kim Chi, I went, God damn it. I've been God damn it. For somewhere.
1: It's uh, it it's, it's fun. And I, 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 I think RuPaul just doesn't get enough credit for the trailblazer that he's been. No for, shit. Right. For, for just raising the awareness for LGBTQ rights and for all that he's done to bring these queens into the mainstream, and for so many people to watch the show as entertainment, but then go, "Wow, these—you know—these are amazing, wonderful people with great stories of their own." I, I just think Ru has been a real pioneer in, in changing people's perceptions.
0: RuPaul's been around how long? Do you think?
1: Oh God, I mean, early nine. You remember Supermodel? Like that was the early yeah. '90s. That was—I mean, may- late '80s in New York City—and has had like a few different careers. You know, RuPaul the the recording artist the talk show on vh1 had another talk show has had drag race has had movies books podcasts and and again it's one of those things anytime a performer has a career more than a few years like the Kardashians may not be my cup of tea but they've been at the top of their game for a decade and and they're, they're doing something where you're like man it may not be my thing but anyone who can do that is is a, a, has 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 a hold on what their audience wants and how to how to deliver
0: I have a I have a very blissful view on life and that I don't really, I, I live life very unexamined for the most part. Like I kind of cruise through and, and don't really bother myself with like who Cardi B is, you know, like I don't really like, I don't like, I didn't know. I don't really know. And we were talking about this the other day on a podcast. I don't know any song that Drake has ever made. Like I'm not, it just, he doesn't hit my radar. So right. I don't, I just don't, I just know that if I see the name Drake, just keep moving. Cause I probably am not that interested. Right. Right. Um, and so there's certain things that'll fire off on my, uh, on my radar. Like if I see something like if I see something that's political, like not political, political, but like social justice thing, like, yeah. like uh, Kylie Jenner is always getting lit up for uh political, uh, not political, uh cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like always like Twitter's going off Kylie Jenner, culturally appropriated. And I was, and I've always been like, whatever, whatever. I don't really see it. I've seen the pictures. I go, I don't see it. You ready for this? This is how little I've paid attention to the Kardashians. I just found out Kylie Jenner is white. (laughs) I I fucking just assumed she was black for some reason. I have no fucking idea. I know her. I know Caitlyn Jenner. I know Caitlyn Jenner. Like, I've worked with Caitlyn Jenner. I've talked about Kylie Jenner with Caitlyn Jenner, and I just, for whatever fucking reason, the Kardashians for me are kind of like a hybrid, cover all of race I never really see them as I feel like they just float around a little yeah. bit so I never really put a race on them I didn't think of them in that that way.
1: makes you more open-minded I think doesn't it
0: I agree <laughs> I agree and I and I just had always looked at Kylie Jenner for whatever reason I just assumed she was a young mixed-race entrepreneur like uh, like ethnically and I just didn't realize I saw a picture of the other day and I was like Oh, she's a fucking white chick. Like, she's like a real white chick. Like
1: the Wayans brothers are like, man, what they stole our movie? What's yeah, going on? I
0: fucking could not. I was laying in bed. I could not stop laughing. Like, I love when that things like that happen in life. Like the other day, I realized they are, and because this is solely because I grew up in Florida, I realized it's called a cockroach, not a a cockroach. I thought they were called cockroaches <laughs> because. All in Cuban communities, it's a caca roach. Those so they thought
1: you were mocking them whenever you
0: said it? I just, I <laughs> my, we, had a, we I saw a roach and my daughter said, that's a cockroach. And I went, baby, easy. It's not a fucking cockroach. And she goes, yes, it is. And I said, no, baby, you're saying a bad word followed by roach. It is not a <laughs> cockroach. And she goes, that, that's exactly what they're called. And I said, no, it's a caca roach because they hang out on shit. How do your it's
1: daughters crazy. look at you with respect, Bird? How?
0: How? Barely, barely. <laughs> we got in so much trouble yesterday because on one of the few nights or d- uh, days I had a cold beer out at this n- place we were at, and I had a cold beer with the girls. We were at, we we have it. This we have
1: sobriety a, involves a lot of drinking. I'm noticing.
0: You know, it's all my <laughs> <so> when <we> <laughs> I drink, so I don't tell you about all the boring <laughs> slow days. The we, we're we're out at we have this house that we bought and we were trying to redo, but we just it's just a yard that we go to. So we're out there, I have a cold beer in the yard. I'm on my phone and Isla goes, man, I could really, you know what I really like? I said, what's that? And she goes, a refrigerator. Now I am tethered to this thing that happened to me in life where I realized I'm a grown-up. I can buy something. Like I can like, I can totally buy a gun or I can buy a motorcycle or I can buy a four wheeler. I can buy a jet ski. If I want a jet ski, I'll buy a fucking jet ski. It's this weird thing that me and a comic just started talking about Like when you get to a certain age, you're like, I don't have to ask my dad for shit. I can do whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) and i uh and i go fuck it let's buy a fridge let's buy you a fridge she was like okay so we started looking and it's just on amazon i can't i'm just going by prices right so i go $100 fridge got to be kind of small i bought two $100 fridges for both the girls cuz i had a cold, couple cold beers in me and they are fucking massive <laughs>
1: <laughs> hanging dead bodies in them or kegs of beer
0: my daughters are like they they showed up yesterday and my wife's like on the front
1: porch. What the fuck? How odd but a minute, like you paid a hundred, like two hundred bucks to yeah. get these massive things shipped to your door. Well, I, that's what I said. I it's go insane. Know. The shipping alone should have been more than that. Amazon Amazon is killing it. This the, the stuff I'm buying because I can and because I'm bored, just oh. dumb stuff. I
0: don't I don't need. Dude, now I have a little pivot of a question. Is your dad still
1: alive? He is. He is. Yeah. Is he still working. He's retired. He's, he's retired. And so, yeah, he, he, uh, it, you know, it's tough. It's, he's, he's slowing down a bit, which is, you know, it's tough. Cause he's been the invulnerable superhero my whole life. And when you see like, Hey man, circle of life, man, it happens to us all. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, that's been, I think, yeah, uh, tough, tough for me, tough, t- you know, tough for him too. I think feeling, you see, man, you know, age, age wins out over everybody. And it's, it's, uh, it. your
0: dad's always been like a healthy dude.
1: Oh yeah. He was an, he was an animal and, uh, animal. Like he won, he, he picked up crew in his forties and the, he joined his buddies. They won a world championship, like a master's world championship in rowing. And, and so it's like, it's, it's really hard when you see, you see your dad, your dad's invulnerable and you see, you see them as mortal. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, and, you know, right now, this, this is like the, life is precious, right? We're seeing the the vulnerability of it, especially for, you know, our parents, our parents' age. That's, uh, this is this is a scary time. And, and it's, you know, I was just thinking like, it, it got to it be awful for them because really we as a society, as we're talking about going back to it, it's like, hey, we got to isolate the vulnerable. We're talking about, it's like the old Greek, you know, you put the old people on a boat when they were no longer any, and you just set them out to sail. It's, it's hard where kind of emotionally, I have to feel like, they they sense that like you're you're getting on Zoom calls with them, but they, you know, they they the physical contact they're they're missing <laughs> out on. I think I think this is, you know, this is a really tough time for for that over 60 generation or population where, man, this is you're you're being cut out. This is, you know, worse than the disease is like you're you're being isolated from everything you love. Did you when when this
0: first started breaking down? Did you call your dad and have like a talk to him because because of his past with
1: uh, with yeah and he's like yeah it's no longer my field I didn't work with the the coronaviruses but yeah I mean you know he used to deal with multi drug resistant TB which was this you know this incurable thing that they were figuring out ways to do it and he would go in and he wouldn't wear a mask he, he's like I don't want to dehumanize the patient so he'd go in and they'd have is these types of ventilation and ultraviolet light that would try to make it as safe as possible. But he was no, he was like rolling the dice. Where like, dad, are we? Are we going to have TV What's going on? He's like, this is this is how the I care. Would do for that people. maskless because he didn't want them to feel less than human. Yeah, he was just like, I don't want them to feel like they're contaminated and dirty and inhuman, and that we see them that way. And it was like, you know, which is one of the reasons why I'm like I have such respect for him. Where it's this thing of that that ancient art of the healer. You know, my dad was like a, he wasn't a, he was a healer and and. uh you know, I wasn't, which is why I'm not in medicine and why I'm doing this completely self-centered, self-important job of entertainment. How does your dad
0: take what, how does your dad look at your career? Like, how does he?
1: So the the hardest part when I left, and I've told this story a lot, but the hardest part for me was telling him because I felt like, because again, I, I, you know, I go to med school at Columbia, I get my MD, I come back to Colorado and he's a professor at the university where I'm training. So Christmas day of 98, he was my attending physician. So Christmas morning, we're in the hospital together and he's going around and I, I could just see, you know, it's like, hey man, it's Dr. Eisman and Dr. Eisman's son. And, and, and then it was like a month later when I just kind of realized I, I needed a break. And, and the scariest part was telling him I just what his reaction was going to be. Because, you know, if my dad said, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of leaving medicine. I'm going to try stand up comedy. He's like, no, you're not. Then I probably would have been like, you're right. I'm I'm not. I I I don't know that I would have had the fortitude to really trust my gut enough to say this is what I need to do. I would have said, You're right, he's right. I I don't know what I'm doing. But the first words he said were, when I told him, I, we we sat down at this restaurant, and I'm like, I'm I'm not happy. I I am not passionate. I I don't think this is good. I want to try stand-up comedy. And I just remember like ugh, vomiting it out. And he just looked at me and he goes, Life is short. Do what makes you happy. All your mom and I want is for you to be happy. And I was just like, wow. It was, I mean, it was like, a, I still feel it, like this weight, just this weight being lifted, which is why when I moved out to LA, I was just like, this is a playground. You know, I, I got to come out with with their blessing and knowing they weren't disowning me or, or thinking any less of it, but that they, you know, and I'm like, how, How?" you know, I've said over the years, like, how could I ever repay this? They're like, if you, you know, just if you have children, just try to, you know, do the same, just be supportive. They're like, you know, we know you have education. We think you're you're a a, a responsible person. We know you'll do well in life. Um, but it was man, it's I, I'll get choked up about you know talking with him, like what it must have been like. Because I think I would have been like, are you? What are you? If my kid did that, I don't think I would be very understanding.
0: Dude, I I I mean, I can't. You know, I it, what I think it. I don't know if it's everyone, but I, I'm I have a, a very deep connection with my dad my dad was is a different guy in that i'm i don't know i can't really can't really pinpoint i've talked a lot about him recently i think and i think it's because we're talking every day because Mm -hmm. uh because he's at home and so we i get on the treadmill and i'll put on eyes like on uh facetime and we'll just kind of bullshit for a little bit right but um yeah we have a really close relationship too and i think My dad was, my dad, I I think at a certain point was confused by, I think still is confused by what I do. Yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, my dad's very safe. So I, he didn't go to law school because he was passionate about law. He went to law school because he needed a job and that seemed like one that paid well. And then he kind of found his way. And then when I wanted to be a comic, he was like, God, I don't. I wish my dad had said to me one time to find what you love. Yeah. I think he was like, I, I, I think my dad looked at it like you're gonna end up doing the type of
1: person you are.
0: will end up doing what he loves. I don't know how to tell you what to do because I didn't do what I love. Right. So whatever you're going to do, just do it. Like, well,
1: and may you know, I think that's gotta be tough too. When they're like, Hey man, a job is called a job for a reason. It's work. It's yeah. what you do to provide for those you love. It's what you do to have those good times, the idea of doing something so ridiculous and, you know, that on the face, like you're telling jokes, like, you, you know, you, 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 you're getting married, you got kids, like that, that idea of, of on the face, it seems so irresponsible. And, you know, I, 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 when I look at it, the, the thing I always say is in life, you can bet on a lot of things like you could bet on, hey, I'm going to get this, you know, this career that seems secure or I'll, I'll bet on, you know, living a certain lifestyle that will keep me safe. I think what you do when you're in entertainment is you bet you're betting on yourself. And, and ultimately, I think the way you put your head on the pillow most easily is to say, man, I want to bet on myself because at the end of the day, you know, I, I think I'll, I think I'll come through. I think I'll be able to find a way to succeed. And I like that kind of that skin on the game, that kind of, Hey man, I I live or die based on what I'm going to do. And, and I think that that's, it's, it's a really kind of fun, motivating thing of, you know, it's like being up on stage, like, Hey man, it's you in the crowd, make it, make it work. And, and it's, it's, uh, yeah. But, you know, betting on yourself, I think it's, uh, it's, it's scary. It's scary when you do it, but man, when it comes through and you're like, Oh God, like there are just times when things go well, I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this. I'm so glad that I made the choice to come out here and that my parents supported me. So I got to do this. So I get to, I get to do what I love and just, I, I, the, I, it's not work. Like I always say, what we do is not work. The work is getting the job, right? The work is when you don't have gigs. The work is right now when everything's locked down and you're stressed out. But when we're, when I'm hosting Ninja or, or doing standup or or doing live rescue, I'm like, I love it. I love what I do. I love it. It's, it's so much fun. And to, Love what you do is, man, that's a great way to go through life.
0: I just had a conversation with Leanne about that today about, um, uh, was I talking to Leanne? God damn it, man. My (laughs) brain is, I think I might've been talking to Leanne, but the whole point was I said something about, yeah, like I don't don't work hard. I'm going through this phase about, I'm trying to figure it out, but there's so many uh, people on Instagram that are motivational speakers. And I and I've I'm trying to write a bit, and maybe the bit will turn into something bigger. I don't know. But just about like it's interesting is that people look at the setup that say like um a David Goggins. Do you know who David Goggins is?
1: Is he the seal to make your bed?
0: Make yeah, your bed every day? He's in that same genre. David right. Goggins, Jocko Wilnick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those guys are in this like in this like real discipline, motivation.
1: Um oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. What was that? A worker, oh. my 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 house flooded with mold. Yay!
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The uh, but but I I had this epiphany because I, I bought all their books. Like I'm going yeah. through this, I'm going through this like audiobook phase, and I'm wondering why my discipline is the way it is. Like I don't have the discipline that say Jocko has or yeah. David Goggins has. Um, I was gonna run fifty miles on my treadmill. And in, in 24 hours, let see if I could do it. And I kind of talked to a few people about it. And then I got to the point and I was like, I'm not really sure I want that. Like, I want that only if it's a bet. Like, I'm, I'm interested in embedding someone I can do it. But I don't know if I want it if it's not a bet. And then I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then I realized in an epiphanous moment that their books are about about how they operate. Like I, I didn't, right. I think I thought they were I, in in my short sighted. I thought it was a book about how you should operate, and it has no idea. No, that's like saying a job is a job, or like your dad saying you got to lo- do what you love. They're doing what they love. They love waking up at four forty-five, right? It right, so right. Like they love that shit. Like I don't love that shit. So why am I gonna fucking read this book and and then set myself up? Like it's so funny. My daughter Isla pointed out to me we were watching this video from jock and by the way i love these guys i'm not shitting on them right but like we were watching this video with jocko and this guy casey Neistat, and he was saying you know get out of bed and that's your first mission you've accomplished your first mission once you've accomplished your first mission then you're just accomplishing more missions and that time by the time you get to the break room and they got donuts out you can say no i don't want that donut and then isla hit pause on the video and she goes would you ever be friends with someone that said no to a donut <laughs> <laughs> and i was like No, like, and then she's like, she's looking at me. She goes, dad, this guy wouldn't like you. Like who you are, he would never get a kick out of that. Like dad. And then she was like, why are we watching this? She had figured it out. I was trying to go like, no, no, no. This is the formula for success. And then she was saying, no, it's not. That's the formula for his success. And so now I am. So
1: your daughter's the motivational speaker.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at (laughs) this fucking kid going, Dude, by the way, hold on. Sidebar. We watched fucking usual suspects last night. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, this is gonna blow their minds. Cause they're just at the age where they can like right. murder mystery. Look Like they're just we watched a bunch of Agatha Christie's, we watched a bunch of um a bunch of like those type of movies. The right. gentleman. So fucking Kaiser, the very beginning of the movie, right? Jose sums in, lights a cigarette. Takes the gun and shoots him. And Isla says, You you need to find the guy with the gold lighter and the gold watch. And I went, What? What? She's like, That guy that killed him used a gold lighter and a gold watch. And I'm like, The fuck you like? Am I really like Sherlock Holmes? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm like, Oh, okay, I, I don't, whatever, uh, whatever. So the whole fucking movie, she's not listening to a word of the movie. She's right. just going, She's looking at watches. The whole movie, she's just looking at people's watches. Okay. They release Verbal Kent. He goes, and they haven't solved the mystery yet. They haven't right. done the thing where he looks at the bulletin board and sees all the yeah. names. Kobayashi. The Kobayashi. Chief. Yeah. They haven't done any of that shit. Verbal Kent, they release him. He goes over to collect his belongings, and the guy goes, Gold lighter, gold watch. And I goes, It's him. He's the killer. I go, oh, you fucking asshole. You ruined it! I go, you ruined it! And Georgia's like, what? And then she just talks over all of the fucking clues coming up. She talks over the whole thing and goes, he's got the gold watch. He's got the gold lighter. He's the killer. He's the killer. And I'm like, you fucking, like... That movie ended and I
1: was like, so wait, who did it?
0: (laughs) I still don't get it. (laughs) I was so fucking pissed. I got in bed and I go, fuck these kids, Leanne. Like, they're fucking, how, like, their brains worked so differently than my brain worked, but hers did. When she saw that motivational speak, she was like, yeah, like, dad, this isn't, this is, This works it, for
1: her. And honest to God, I, I, I do, I, 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 I imagine a lot of performers, I just feel lazy all the time and it's, and when, you know, oh, I'll strike when, and, and remember you watch comedian with Jerry Seinfeld, the, the documentary, when he said, you know, I, I was watching these workers go back to lunch going, they didn't want to go back to lunch or go back to work after lunch, but they had to. It's like the same way with writing. I'm like, oh, I've never approached it. I don't have that discipline. I'm like, hey, when work comes, I I love a deadline. I love it. That's why I love school. That's why I love being on a team, like a coach telling me what to do, or the teacher saying, hey, you got a week to turn this paper. You better get it done. Like that, that motivates me. But that idea of every day waking up at 530 and having egg whites and jogging, I'm like, that's not me as much as I, and I I berate myself for, for laziness with that.
0: No, it's not me. It's not me at all. And it's so funny is that I like, I like a coach as well. Like I have a hard time working out by myself because I like the coach mentality. It's like a, in a weird way, I feel like I would have been a a thriving socialist because I love, (laughs) I love the group of like, all right, everyone out of the saddle. We're going to paddle. Here we go. Go." You know, like I love
1: that feeling, but what about a a podcast? I I don't know if they appreciate it. This is a massive amount of work. Scheduling guests, doing research, and being on—and you're doing, you know, how many are you doing a week? Six podcasts a week? Doing a lot, but that but is a lot only, of discipline.
0: Yeah, but I only do them with people I like, really. Like, I mean, it's not not to be right, not to not to show you how the sausage is made, but like, <laughs> I don't need to do any fucking. I know a lot about everyone I have come on, and if I don't yeah. know anything, usually I don't do it. Like, there's uh, someone, uh, Andrew, you know my cousin Andrew, yeah, and Andrew offered someone today, and I was like, eh. I don't really care. Like if I don't care, no, this sounds bad, but if I don't care about your career, meaning like, I don't really like, it doesn't really interest me or, or I can't go like, like I can't go like, like one of the things we haven't talked about yet, but I want to talk about is just how, uh, American Ninja Warrior went from minor leagues to pros. Like it was such a, it was such a niche, like, Oh, have you seen that to where it is today where it's like, like, I mean, I've trained at one of the facilities
1: for it and it's, you fun. called me when you were at the bottom of the warped wall, let's go, give me a pep talk, Iceman. Dude. I, and, <laughs> and
0: so like, I'm fascinated by that. And I want to talk about that. But the other part is like, I only also talk to people I know that I don't, I could I could have no preparation and talk the entire right, right. time. But I think,
1: I, you know what? I, I still think that is, that's an amazing insight though, too, into how you work and what motivates you that I think is, you know, it's it is. I think that's kind of what Goggins, all these guys are talking about. It's like, what is your motivation? You know, what is it that yeah, gets absolutely. you out of bed? What is it that's going to motivate you to do better? Which is, hey, that 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 is that is another big journey. And it's like when you 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 figuring that out, I think is not a not a uh, in, inconsequential thing. That's a big realization.
0: Yeah, but I but here's the thing that I would say to Jerry Seinfeld when he goes, I saw these guys and they were going to lunch and then they had to go to back to work, and I was like, oh. I should look at my career that way. I w- I w- I go. Hold on one second. When did you ever go to lunch? I haven't shut down my brain for comedy at any point in the day. I'm writing comedy all fucking day. I am thinking of ideas all day, and I think that is, goes back to more like if we're talking about if we're talking about uh, you know these motivational speakers is like I don't really need to get up at four forty five because the second I get up, all I'm doing is thinking of comedy from the second I get up until whatever time I go to bed and so yeah. I'm so awake roughly the same amount as you. And I'm not shutting it down. I mean, even as I sit and do a podcast with you, I'm writing jokes down, going like, okay, that'll work. Like I don't right. shut it down. And I, and I don't shut it down when it, I come like everything's an opportunity. So like, it's interesting. Um,
1: well, that's, I think one of the, you know, I, cause I look at Bill Burr, I think his podcast, having done that Monday morning podcast where it's just him, yeah speaking into a vacuum uh, to me that really honed his point of view where it, it is, is this thing yeah, of really having good. to tell the stories and having to where now he has his take on things and, and i think that you know in a way this is going to the gym for you for work for me, right i mean for
0: me it's about stories it's like you know yeah. what it is is uh is for me i my a lot of how i how what i find the beauty in in comedy is is phrases like um I wrote down fridge. Co- like I said to you, but the fridge and I went, that's a good one. And then I wrote donuts. And
1: cause I was like, Oh, that's a I like, but me talking things out is don't is, be friends with somebody who doesn't pet a cat. Right. That's the same thing. as like a do- like good rule of life. Yeah. Is Hey man, friends. if someone doesn't eat a donut, I ain't going to be friends with them.
0: Yeah. And, 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 but like I, but it's all about like finding those little things. Like I wrote thriving socialists. Cause you laughed and I went, that's a good, I like the thriving socialist, like, cause it, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a thriving socialist. Like they're all just they're
1: getting political in his new special, yeah. <laughs> by the way.
0: And, and, but, but then here's how my brain works is this morning I was writing, I went in and grabbed Leanne's boobs and she went, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, what? And I was made a joke about socialism. I said, I'm a socialist. <laughs> actually, you are a capitalist. You believe that withholding goods, from the people makes us (laughs) work harder for them. And so then I go, so then I start going like, but so as for Jerry Seinfeld, who maybe will take lunch and stop thinking about comedy and then go back to work and start writing things. down. I go, I'm not, I haven't quit. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. But, but it's that, that David Goggins mentality is David Goggins goes out and runs 50 miles because he fucking loves that. He loves to not be broken. He loves his brain where his brain goes. I am the same way. It's just not going to happen with running. Essentially, you're
1: a Navy SEAL, Bert, I think, is the conclusion of this. i In your own animal. way.
0: I am, a, I am the Navy SEAL of partying. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Paint Your Life. This is what I love about my podcast. It's so often sponsors of this podcast become gifts to my parents, uh, and I am always in need of a gift. My, I got a dog in college named Abigail, and... Uh, I love this dog. When I went to Russia to rob a train, um, <laughs> I gave my dog to my dad. And my dad ended up keeping Abby. When I got back to Florida State, he said, Don't, I'll give you money for this dog. How much money do you want? He loved this dog. The dog is long gone. My parents have been extremely lonely uh, down in Florida by themselves. And I thought, you know what's amazing? When I heard about paintyourlife.com, you can have an original painting by a world class artist done. By hand from a photo, it's so much better than just a night. A painting says so much more, and I thought, what a great idea! At first, I was like, this has got to be through the roof expensive. It is not expensive. These paintings are truly affordable, and the quality is amazing. Get a professional hand painted portrait created by any photo at an affordable price. Choose from a world class team of artists who will then work with you. Will work with until every detail is perfected perfected and this is a user friendly platform that gets you gets orders custom made hand painted in less than 5 minutes quick easy to process hand painted in about 3 minutes the whole whole process for you will take about 5 minutes you'll get your painting your portrait in about 3 weeks any picture yourself your children your family a special place or abigail you'll see it i'm going to send a picture of it when my dad gets it he's going to send a picture it's a perfect birthday gift wedding gift or for my parents um, for my dad. It was a birthday gift, uh, but it's it's amazing. If you're interested in a painting at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now there's a limited offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off, which I, by the way, couldn't get because these, applies, these savings don't apply to me. And free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Burtcast to 64,000. That's cast to 64,000. Text cast to 64,000. 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter the most. This podcast is brought to you by T. Is my T up there? It's right there. This stuff is fucking awesome. We did a read for this on Two Bears, One Cave, and we had some in the thing, and I grabbed it, and then I hit them up whole this is awesome. Electrolytes for you when you sweat or work out can be replenished with this stuff. This is the best. If you want to curb your craving, these are awesome. These are science. This is science in a little packet. Sugar, artificial coloring, all that stuff. There's none of that in LMNT. For low-carb fasting electrolyte, electrolytes are key when you're gonna fight off hunger, cramps, headaches. I took one of these yesterday morning, I felt hungover. I don't know if they put that in your in the read. I felt hungover and I drank one of these and I perked back up immediately. I had a conversation with um, with Gabby uh, Reese and she told me about not this brand, but told me that I needed this. I didn't even know I needed this. This is created by a dude named Rob Wolf. Uh, awesome dude. Health insider, ex-Navy SEAL, New York Times bestseller, biochemist. I think he was on Rogan. If I'm not mistaken. I don't know. He was looking to elevate his fitness game in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he kept seeing people fall flat, so he created this. Everyone said this is the selection, and this is how they started LMNT, straight from the yoga mat, straight to you. And here's what I also love about this. When you get some of these packets, they tell you um, put it in 7 ounces of water. This says 16 ounces of water. So this is a full cup of Tea. I fill up 16 ounces to here, filled up with ice, pour this in, and it is refreshing. You throw it in your pocket have it with you, throw it in a full water bottle. That and I hate that half water bottle shit. Here's the deal. This is the stuff the U.S. Olympics use, the NFL teams, a, 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 and NBA players and coaches, so many, so many tech leaders. If they're looking for an edge, everyday health, just moms, dads like me, and ultra marathon runners. I'm working on it. Try it today, totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share, share it with a salty friend and we'll give you your money back. That, that means if you don't like it, give it to a friend. And they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. They have a 0.5% return rate, so they're extremely proud of that because no one sends it back. They do send refunds, and, and you can give the box to a friend, but man, this, you're going to love this. This is no BS customer service, and they're getting applauded all the time. This episode is brought to you by Drink Elemente, which is my go-to electrolyte because it has no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and makes a kick-ass zero. And by the way, you can throw this in a margarita. I'll be doing that later today check out the Tea variety pack to sample all their flavors go to drink elementy.com slash burt to check it out that's drink slash burt to check it out you are gonna love it,
1: it you know I, I i do think though that it's like you've created then this world where you are you're hard at work doing what you love right now right i mean this this is work, this is work unto itself that you get this result of a podcast, but it's also training your mind for comedy. It's like, wow, that's a clever way to double dip.
0: What I'm double dipping is I'm hanging out with you. And so like, it's like, I look, you look at the list of people I talk to and it's just all people. Like I did a podcast with Ben Schwartz and, it, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, he's a really great improv improviser and he's a great, like, I like the way he does act outs. I'm going to run a little bit by him and see what his take is on how I should do this on stage. Cause I'm not good at like act outs. And he had a great insight. And I went, I wrote it down. And so like, I'm.
1: That is to me, though, that I think that's one of the other things is nothing happens sitting on your couch, right? You know, no matter how talented you think you are, there's other people just as talented who are out there making connections and, and, you know, doing a podcast like you are introducing yourself to these other people or having a chance to sit down and talk with people who otherwise you might not have that conversation. I just think so much good comes of that—the networking and for people to see you, like you're getting a chance to present all all facets of yourself and work on material. And I I I just think that that idea of comedy right now, you know, for a lot of comedians they're going what to do. You'd already started this podcast and you're leaning into it, going, "Man, this is this could be it's unto itself, right? I mean, look at Rogan with his podcast. You, yeah. you know what the power of these things can be. Um, but but kind of finding that, and I think in a way bringing all these people in who are influencing you, man, it's, that's, that's a, it's a hell of a way to do it, man. To spend your days.
0: Well, you know, what's so funny is when I first, when Rogan first started doing his podcast, I was so fascinated by what fascinated him. Mm. I remember, I remember being like, so His
1: curiosity is crazy. Just his, off the charts in so many areas
0: is his curiosity is unmatched in this business of like what interests him. And I was like, the only thing that interests me is comedy. That's it. Like, I don't right. give I don't care about aliens. Unless you're like, unless you're a comic and you're interested in aliens, I don't really give a fuck. Like,
1: yeah. Well, I think his, 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 uh, use of marijuana has certainly expanded his curiosity. The thing, the thing I, I like about Rogan, one of the things I think that he does is while clearly the guy has a lot of strongly held, I think well-reasoned beliefs, he can talk to anybody and, and, and not pass judgment, but genuinely bring a curiosity to say, Hey, I want to hear your story. I, I want to, I'm going to challenge you on some of the details, but well, yeah. not in a gotcha way, but in a way where it's like, I want to understand it more and let people listening understand. it. And I think that's such a, a unique skill that he has where he can have Bernie Sanders on or Elon Musk and have you on, right? And, and, yeah. and really be similarly as, as interested in them. I think it's, you know, it's I'm not saying anything new. He's kind of the modern day Carson, right? I mean, he's the kingmaker right now. And it's uh, it's been fascinating to watch.
0: It's it's been interesting because he does something like I, I always I, I I collect things I respect in people. Like I have a buddy Weicho who never once told you he never he never let something go by that he didn't know what you he was from he was born in Venezuela, uh, in Peru, lived in Venezuela, and then his family moved him over. His dad moved over to the States when he was like ten, right? Or whatever, eight, nine. And so he was he he always will be a Uh, a kind of like a visitor like it and and that sounds bad but like he's always going to be an immigrant in his head right if he went somewhere and someone said something he didn't know what it was at a young age he just was like wait wait hold on what's a flurry a mcflurry and they'd be like you don't know what a mcflurry is he's like no i just don't tell me what it is right they tell him oh this is what a mcflurry goes oh i've had one of those okay let's go get one so he was never ashamed to ask questions about things he didn't know what they were right I, i was very impressed by that in ninth grade when I first saw it. And he was like, he would just say stuff that he didn't know what it was. He'd go, I don't know what you're talking about. What's tubing? And, or whatever. And you go, What do you mean, what's tubing? Like, you've never been tubing? He's like, I don't know. Wait, tell me what it is. And you go, oh, Well, you get in the tube and it pulls you. And he goes, I've done that. I did. I know they called it something else. Okay, that's yeah. fine. And so I subscribe to that. If I don't know what you're talking about, I'm going to go, Hold on wait, wait I don't know what that is. Tell me what that is. Because and, I go, I like Which is a it.
1: rare trait because I think so many people are embarrassed to. Look like we don't know, yeah. And, and I think to and, and you see it where you you know, people judge take a reaction based on how you if you're like uh, should I know this as opposed to no 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 and they're like oh that genuine guileless hey man I'm 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 genuinely curious it, it immediately transforms people from going man I'm gonna bust your balls to oh no l- let me tell you and yeah. you see that but it, it's it's such a gift I think to have that genuine thing that so many people are thinking oh, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah and someone just says hey what are you talking about. I think that's a, you know, it's a gift of someone who, who can be curious of something instead of having to be the expert. Like you watch the news and you see all these people trying to out expert one another and you just think, God, this is, this is tiring. I appreciate people who are kind of honest in uh, what they know, and what they don't know, and just kind of letting it lie there and, and saying, well, we'll figure out the rest.
0: And Joe is one of the guys that is his, like, you know, I, that I've accrued from Joe is, First of all, he is a natural contrarian, not he was just based on the fact that he wants to know what the truth is. His curiosity forces him to challenge you as a friend. Like if you say, uh, if you say, I'm trying to think of a fucking great. If you say, and then this is a fair one, we've praised her a tad bit. I'm just using her name. She's on my top of my head. If you say Nisi Nash is a diva, he'll go, why? And you'll go, well, she just is. He goes, yeah, but you can't just right. say that. Tell me why. Where did you hear it? Who said it? And why, why did they say it? Stop making
1: me justify my positions, Joe.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, I don't know, man. I just heard it. I just was making conversation. And he'll be like, yeah, but you're, you're making a judgment call on a person that's going to get spread around town that she's a diva when maybe she's not. Maybe that one person. Burr does that shit too. When Burr and I got into a fucking back and forth about, and by the way, I say back and forth. It wasn't even a back and forth. It was me saying something him just telling me I was wrong and me laughing <laughs> is I said that Kareem was boring to watch. And he was like, what? And I said, I watched the top 10 highlight reel. and It's just one of the top 10 highlights was a free throw. And he goes, then he's just the victim of that dude who made the fucking highlight. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, Oh yeah, that's right. But they're both natural. Like whatever the fuck you say. And that's a great way to be as a comic. Right. Whatever you say, they want to, they want to take the opposite and go, Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. So, but I, 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 re- I really, I really respect, I don't know. I, the, both those, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky to have the friends I have cause I can just pick their brains and go sweet. Why do you do it that way?
1: Yeah. But, but right. It, it, and learning from it, it is, it is like you said, when you, when you see a trait you like in someone to try to take it, um, yeah. is, is, uh, it, and it is, it's that growing thing of, and, and, and evolving in it. Right. Like, you know, if you, I'm sure if you listen to your first few podcasts, you're like, Ooh, I don't What was I doing back? Then? Oh
0: my God. I can't, I can't. And I'm so fucking oh. bad.
1: Yeah. I watch old shows. And I'm just like, why are you yelling? What's going on? Here? Although I still yell quite a bit. So tell me what was like, were,
0: was it? Were, were you a hundred percent in when they brought you uh, American Ninja Warrior?
1: Or did you so have- here, um So I was doing at that point, I was, I was still on clean house and I was doing sports soup, which was, you know, under KP's nice. John, uh, John Moore was, was the showrunner. And, and then the way it worked is they were all owned by Comcast. It was before Comcast owned NBC. So I'd been on E, I was on Style, which no longer exists. And um, SportsZip was on Versus, which became NBC Sports. And they had American Ninja Warrior. And the way it started, it was a Japanese show. So it's called Sasuke there. And, And they had a whole bunch of episodes. They were dubbing into English on G4 and they were a breakout hit. So they decided to make the American version of it. And they did a season. I wasn't on the first season. Who's on the first season? Blair Herder and Allison Hayslip were the hosts. It was in a. They did it in a Costco parking lot in Glendale. It is, it is a, it's a you know carnival. It it was, but it was a massive hit. And so they're like, hey, we're really going to double down on this. So they brought in new producers and they decided to upgrade it. And and honestly, I wasn't their first choice because I I probably got asked like ten days before the show was started, which is very late into the process. But And I'm like, I don't care if I'm the last person you ask. I just care that I got asked. I don't need to be yeah. on the top of your list. I just want the job. So when we did it, it was, I, you know, I had shows. And this was like, hey, it's 10 episodes, a summer show, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. No idea if it, it'd have a second season. And, and it did well. But the thing that changed us was Comcast bought NBC, and so then all of a sudden, these little cable channels we were on had the big brother of NBC and the head of uh, G4 went to NBC and said, we have this show that's huge, Ninja Warrior. We'll give you the finale to air on NBC as long as you tell people about G4. So NBC is like, all right, we'll throw it on on a Monday night. And it won. It won the night with no promotion. All of a sudden, NBC is like, hey, we got something here. So then they, we did a split broadcast. And and then all of a sudden, G4 goes away, and we do what, you know, hardly any shows rarely ever do. We went from cable to network, and we've become a summer tentpole now with four Emmy nominations. And look, every year, I assume, I just kind of assume is going to be the last, right? I mean, you just assume things are going to end. But it's been amazing seeing this go from this neat show that was, you know, a, a knockoff of a Japanese show to now, there are gyms all around the country. Like you said you've gone to a ninja gym. This yeah. has become a sport and a movement. We have a kids version where kids nine to fourteen are competing on this. And these kids, a lot of them, they don't play soccer. They don't. They don't do baseball. They do ninja warrior now full time. And so it's been unbelievable seeing it. And especially, it's it's nice being a part of a show that is almost uniformly positive. Like this celebration of of differences. Of you know, we have men and women. People with cancer, Parkinson's, one leg—you know—all competing on the same course, and and it's not about competing against each other. It's competing against yourself. It's like these—you know—I I always say that the thing I loved about sports was it gave you the lessons of life, like how to learn, how to struggle, how to how to improve, how to get better. And and I think being a part of this firsthand and and getting to see these kids who've grown up with it and how it's and how it's changed so many of the lives of the ninjas it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's not medicine. I'm not saving lives in that regard, but to, to have been a part of a show that is, I, I think delivered so much, so much goodness and, and helped people change their lives and told so many amazing stories and, and, and seeing the impact that those stories have on people with cystic fibrosis, seeing somebody like them or alopecia where they're little kids with no hair, seeing themselves on it. It's, it's really been nice to be, to, uh, to be a part of that and to, you know, and, and we were, we're set for season 12. We were supposed to start filming March 12th um, and then this hit. So we're like so many other people kind of waiting to see what comes, but you know, it's, it, and it's been, it's been a real gift too, that I've been, I've had this job now for over a decade, which again is, that's unheard of. It's What's
0: unheard so of funny? on TV. I, it only, I mean, I saw it when it was the Japanese version and I was like, Oh, that's interesting, but it lacks something. I was like, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd watch it every now and then, but I I wasn't going to sit through, you know, a few episodes. And then I think I might have seen that first season. But then when you popped on it, I went, okay, this is good. Like, for some reason, whatever you brought to it, and I think it was maybe it was just that you guys, people were talking in English throughout it.
1: The you know I think the thing that I always try a to bring real connoisseur that, man well well I, I bring enthusiasm I think that's been kind of my that's 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 who I am and that's like I love I love watching people push themselves yeah you know, people doing extraordinary things so I I genuinely get excited watching these people on Ninja Warrior knowing how hard they work the other thing that I think you know we really did well was. The storytelling is unbelievable. We've we've had we have people who are journalists who you know worked in like hard-hitting documentary journalism. They come into the show and they help tell the stories because that's what sets the show apart is and you see it where all, all the shows now, AGT, The Voice, all of them know that people want to watch someone perform, but if you give them a reason to care, then they're invested. And that's what our, our show just has this formula of here's a story, here's why you care about this person, watch them compete. And you could watch five minutes or five hours and it's that same formula, but it, it really hinges on telling these stories well, giving you a reason to care. And it's well, funny because well, like, I remember watching the Olympics, like around the time I was getting it, watching the Olympics going, oh my God, stop with the backstories. I want to watch the action. And I was watching something on, I, I think it was Skeleton where they ride the, the you know, like the bobs that are on their back just, and, and and all of a sudden I was watching and I go, oh, I'm watching because I know this guy comes from a small town and his family. Care. I was like, God, it just, it became clear to me of why the storytelling works. And it's so funny because I was that guy of, I just want to watch the sports. It's like, that's why we care.
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I feel like it's been the fun of this Do- Jordan documentary is like, I don't know shit about BJ Armstrong. Right? I never really cared about fucking Horace Grant, but all of a sudden when I see Horace Grant beat, Fucking Jordan in the in the finals. I go, God, good for Horace Grant.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And it, you know, and and seeing these, you know, we don't often get that. I think it's a lot easier now with social media and following. We have so much more access to it. But before, I was like, you cared. I cared about the Broncos because they were my team, and I yeah. might have known the athletes from little stories. But now we just have this unbelievable access to find the find the stories in it. But you Too know, much it's, so maybe
0: even by fault at some points.
1: Oh God, yes, yeah. I think there is you know, a, a, a lot of scrutiny and this idea of y- your whole life is, is fair game. If you are in the public eye, um, you know, it's, I guess, part of the contract, but man, you, you kind of think like, Hey, there's some things I want to keep personal and private and, you know, things that, you know, it's, it, 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 it is interesting where it is this kind of deal with the devil. Right.
0: I already, I already had that. Like I was, I'm going in to get another CT scan for my, to get, you know, check if I have blockage. Mm-hmm. And I've already decided that if we're I'm mean, it's not gonna happen for a, a while. I, last one I have was like five years ago. So I'm going back. I had zero blockage then. So if I have any blockage and you need like a stint or anything done, right. I already decided I will never share that with anyone. I don't want to I sharing medical stuff is so weird and vulnerable. And it's it's and it but it does connect people to it.
1: Right. Well, it is, but it, it is that thing of, hey man, like you uh, there's some things I'm just not going to share. And, you know, I think it's got to be tough. Like I'm not married. I don't have kids, but your wife and kids, they're a part of your act, whether they want to be or not. Oh, I yeah. mean, at times, like, you know, when I, you, you showed your special, when you were talking about putting your dick on Leanne's shoulder, your daughter's like, God, they just think we got to go to school and everyone's going to be like, Hey, how's your mom's shoulder? Hope you didn't hug, put your fat on it when you hugged her. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I've been so open and honest. I would love to find like I'm, with this new house that we have. We're not doing anything with it. We're just kind of waiting to see what happens to
1: put and a load we, in. Well, we're waiting to see. Yeah. <laughs> By the way,
0: the, yeah, I'm fucking <laughs> um, and uh, but it's like the girls have asked me not to put Instagram, do any Instagram stories there because they're like we don't want anyone to know what it looks like to know where we live, wow. like. Like that you did that and now people show up at our front like,
1: but those Insta stories paid for this goddamn house.
0: I've snuck a couple Instagram. <laughs> I was like, you guys out of your fucking mind, you think. I'm I mean, like, it's
1: gotta be hard when it's like, how do you close that book? Right? The the the, the, the barn is open. How do you close it again and you know well, change they, what they, you do?
0: What happened is uh they put Segura's house, uh they, they put it out all his info.
1: WWE oh. fans were
0: <laughs> just ooh, ooh. started. Was that a work? Come on. That had to be a little bit of a work. No, no. It's not. no you know what it is, is that Segura does not give a fuck. Yeah. He really genuinely does not give a fuck. Like meaning like, you know, uh, I can talk to you about, okay. Uh, uh, but it was a perfect example. I remember saying the word Pikey on, um, on Rogan's podcast and a bunch of people, uh, this is years ago. I'm saying it right now, but this was years ago. And a bunch of people lit me up and they're like, Hey man, just so you know, you just said a racial slur. And I was like, eh, I don't really care. And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm, it's not a racial, slur in my circle and in my country. And then I'm not going to lose any jobs for it. So uh, thanks for the heads up. I'll avoid the word, but I don't really give a fuck. Right. I understand that it's lighting you up right now in your world, but not that much because it was used in the Guy Ritchie movie pretty aggressively. So I don't really care. And so like, it was a weird feeling that for a second I cared. And then I went, I don't care. I'm not getting in trouble. No one cares, and and I I thank you for the knowledge. But like, I'm not going to go through and panic as if it was as if I had said a racial slur about what I care about. Like, if I if I slip up and say the N word, right? I you know I've, I've said it before. You can find it online. But like, if if say I I don't know, I'm say I I had this bit that had the punchline time was the word, and say I said the bit again, and I and I said it on Stern, and and I got concerned, right? I'd be upset by that. And I'd want that to be taken off, I guess. Maybe I, I don't care. I, it's j- a joke. I stand by fucking comedy. But my point being, that's a word I care about because I right. don't want to, I, I, ha- I have black friends and I don't want them to feel less than, and then I don't want them to feel less than at the hand of me. So it's a confusing sure. place. Well, the way I feel about the word Pikey, Tom's Segura girl feels about everyone. He <laughs> feels like he just doesn't
1: care. And so a great place to be. in if you can pull it off
0: and, and by the way, I, do, I, I
1: care, I it's cares.
0: awful. So oh my, God I care so much. And he just goes, his theory is I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. This is what I do for a living. If you want to get feelings about what I do, I get it. Understand. I'm trying to make jokes. I get it. Good luck on your path. And by the way, if you want to come play the fucking games with me, I, you can quote unquote come it's, get this smoke.
1: It's interesting. Well, it's interesting because you know at a certain point. I mean, you know, having the podcast insulates insulates him a bit. But you know, there there are points where it's like, hey, man, doesn't matter what you think. If people really you know take offense, we're seeing it where it's like, hey, you know, you, I, I know I'm I'm I try to be very cognizant of what I'm saying, realizing yeah, you know, there are times where you're just going to slip up and and you may not know and. And and you know earnestly try to correct it, but it is you know it's I think it's it's an interesting time to do comedy to make a living with words and to make a living where sometimes you are walking that line, knowing and hey man one wrong step and there are people and you know I, I think we're right now there are bigger fish to fry, but it, it, it's been very interesting where as comedians you think do you know do I want to step on that landmine and and live with the repercussions? I Megura mean, you know, seems yeah. Segura seems to be hopscotching. Through the minefield on a pogo stick, just stepping on
0: it. But I think he enjoys, I think what, you know, I, I'm I can, not to speak for Tom because, and, and I'm not by any stretch of means, everyone knows my relationship with him, but not to speak for Tom. But what when he put out a special and he kind of trashed Louisiana, those are, those are, it's a joke, obviously. I mean, right. he, I think technically he could have probably put nine different places in place of Louisiana right. there. There are places he feels that about, but I think he felt that about Louisiana. Right. Right. And I don't think he really gave a fuck if you got feelings about it. Cause he goes, listen, man, it's, it's a joke. I'm, it's a joke. Obviously it's the joke based in reality. Like that's <laughs> a bit how I feel. Right. But It's a joke. And, and then he went and he went to do perform in Louisiana and he, they put up tickets for one theater and he sold out four fucking nights, two shows a night in a row. And right. he was like, Okay. So, in his brain, and I think it was the re- arithmetic of that, if you get that it's a joke, then you appreciate what I do right. And that's why I, I want to come to my shows yeah, and, and and he was like, he was like, "If you get outraged by it, I, and I don't think this is his exact math, but I do think he realizes if you get outraged with it, you're going to share what I intended as a joke with a lot of people that will see the joke right. And so I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No,
1: I, I think he's gotten a huge bump from this wrestling thing where he's been, a lot of people are seeing Tom Segura who hadn't seen him before because of this. And by the
0: way, it sadly is that that fucking group of people that love wrestling will love what Tom Segura does. Like uh, the, the people that, that, that these guys shared it with and said, Hey, uh, we, we think this is... How dare he?
1: And they're like, yeah,
0: that's funny. All wrestling fans should know well, what this guy that's said.
1: That's why I asked if it was a work, because I thought, man, this thing blew up, and it was genius. Dude, did you see what he wrote to the fucking the
0: champion? Of- yes!
1: He's like, you're sport of the TNA champ. I was like, ah, oh, Tom is... That's why I was like, is not work? Because no. he's really asking this guy to come at him. Oh, yeah, and and
0: by the way, that guy, I don't think that guy really has a sense of humor. So I think if that guy would be like, I'm definitely coming at him. But Tom fully knows you're not allowed to leave your house for the next fucking yeah. months. I don't It'll know. Blow over. Like, yeah, like you'll get over it by then. There's, there's a, a lot of Tom that just does, really, really doesn't give a fuck what he does give. Like, I know when he does give a fuck, mm-hmm. like when, when he, what he gives a fuck about is when we slip up and we say something maybe negative about someone we worked with and yeah. then it comes back. And then he's like, God damn it. Like, like, um, we, we, uh shit we shit on this we didn't even shit on him I don't even know what we said but we don't remember but there was a, you remember the comic jay medicine Hat? Yeah. yeah we just talked about him and, and maybe we weren't like super 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 respectful but we weren't like trashing him but we were just saying ultimately how um maybe sad that that was everything involved in 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 like a very a guy that t- sold a lot of tickets and worked a lot. I don't know exactly what we say. All we know is that his daughter reached out to us and was really upset. And both Tom and I felt fucking horrible. Now I feel horrible quicker, but um, <laughs> like, like I definitely like the same thing happened to some girl on E I watched some show, some dancing show. I don't even remember what I said, you know, and this is where I think Tom's defense is like, I don't even remember what I said, but you have to realize I was trying to be funny. Like, and if you don't realize that I was trying to be funny, then maybe you're missing the point. Yeah, maybe- it's,
1: it's hard because I think context is stripped out a lot, right? Where they literally, you see it in print and it sounds horrendous. You're like, wait, he was, he was laughing. He was trying to make a joke out of it. And I think it's tough when comedy is taken literally. Yeah, um, they
0: did that with his, they, with, he, he had a joke where um, he, I, I don't even really remember the joke. And all I know is I saw it and it didn't really register to me as like super offensive. But the it was about the worst use of the
1: word retarded, and he which he was using in that clip about wrestling uh, aggressive. And you see, and Christina was like the R word. She she wasn't jumping on board. She
0: was like, listen, fuck boy, we've gotten into a lot of trouble. <laughs> You're with this. on your own, Tom. And by the way, Tom. In Tom's defense, he went through the goddamn ringer with everyone offended by that word, and really went out of his way and fell short in their, I mean, once again, I'm not speaking for Tom, and I shouldn't even speak about it at all, but I think in their opinion, the people that were offended, he fell short. I think what they wanted out of him was something that is maybe a little unaskable of a human, and he was like, guys, and and what they did is they kind of took his joke out of of context. They pulled excerpts of it and just showed that as opposed to show the whole joke. And I, I think, and I'm not speaking for Tom, I'm just saying that very clearly so everyone knows. He didn't share this with me. I'm just speculating a little bit, but I think he felt like misrepresented and kind of a little bit like he went the extra mile to try to fix things, and it didn't. Nothing was working out. Yeah. And by the way, the parts I do know, I am not sharing because they're fucking <laughs> so hilariously. It's just you don't want
1: to be seen laughing about
0: it now. Such a bad. Like so much of this was so ridiculous that I remember hearing it from it from Tom and going are you, they wait, what? Like, huh? And he, and, and he was being, I, I will say this in my, in my friendship with him, he was being a good guy on a lot of respects, trying to fix what, right. he, what, you know, in all honesty, I don't think he felt was really all that wrong. I think he was like, I tried to make a joke about something. And, and so I don't know. Like, I don't yeah,
1: know. Yeah. I, I, that's tough, right? It, it, it is. Man, tough he when, doubled
0: down. He doubled down on that word. In that yes. like, huh?
1: Yeah. I, I think in it's, You know, it is. It's scary, I think, when you when you realize you've upset people or or that they're coming for you. And this idea of, hey man, you know, this could be taken away, or this they might try to take it away. I think it's a it's a scary time to, you know, again, when you're when you're making a living with words. And usually you're, you know, we're very conscious of the words in comedy, right? You you choose words for a reason, and you also usually try to put a context in it. And it I think it's really hard to feel like, hey man, that's that's being stripped away. I was it was, a, it, and, and, and the other thing of the idea of, can you learn, right? Can you say, well, you're not doing the jokes you did 20 years ago, right? And, and, and yeah. but you can't, you can't take them away. Like you said, they're out there. And, and you know what the thing is, is like,
0: is like, we're, I mean, any of us early podcasters are all guilty of breaking every fucking rule, saying horrible things and, and laughing at horrible things and laughing at the wrong thing, laughing at things that you should not laugh at. and, We were high, we were drunk, we were fucked Mm -hmm. up, we were bullshitting, we were just trying to make each other laugh and it it was bathroom or locker room humor, Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck. I'm guilty of all that. That's all online. Everyone can find it. It's very simple to find. A lot of people have all found them and then have compilations. Uh Aha! Aha, Bert! (laughs) Yeah, and so you're just like, like, I don't know what to do about it, man. Like, I, I really don't know what to do about it other than keep doing what we do and then know that the people that come to our shows right now are, are in on the, they get that we're good people yeah. and that we're not trying to hurt people Yeah, and go, you know, and, and in a weird way, you know, and I think me and you came up in a very similar way is, is that I definitely bit my tongue or not bit my tongue, but I, I chose my words wisely in, when I was working at travel channel, cause I didn't want to lose a good paying job. Yeah. And I was like, get paid a lot of money to travel around the world first class and have these amazing life experiences. I I'm going to be careful with what I say. And I was. And by the way, I still fucked up a lot. I still fucked up a lot. And Mm -hmm. it's all out there. But my point is, like, guys like Tom, they didn't. They just started a podcast. And then they got a small group of fans who built into a larger and larger and larger. And so, in a weird way, not to say, you know, this in, like, but, like, it's, it's much harder to take something away from someone who built it himself.
1: Right, and built it by being authentic.
0: And built yeah. it by going, I'm this guy. I've been this guy for 10 years. You guys have been on this trip, trip with me. You know for a fact that you're excited to turn in the podcast on Monday. Well, guess what we're talking about on Monday? I went at it with some wrestling fans. And right. by the way, if you're a wrestling fan and you're really offended, maybe you should check yourself because for Tom, it, let me rephrase that. He's, his theory is i think if you're a wrestling fan and you're a fan of mine and you want to cancel me and no longer go to my shows then you weren't you didn't get me in the first place
1: right right and 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 i think you know that's the that's the great position to be in where you feel this invulnerability where it is hey man I, i've got this thing that can't be taken away but it's you work very hard for that and you know and you it is still it's you know i don't know i don't but you imagine there probably is still a point of him maybe not but you think where he's like god not with that one. I mean, that with wrestling, whatever, that feels like a perfect Let foil. That. Let me tell you
0: something. I, when, I mean, like, I have a, I can't, I can't really get too into this because someone's got a bit about it and I don't want to ruin their bit. Uh-huh. I have a friend, I have a friend who's used the N word a few times on podcasts and they've done a compilation of it. Who, and he has a fucking hilarious goddamn bit about it that is so fucking funny. And I was crying watching it. And it's, but the point is, is that once again, let's go back to the point of it we're just comics. So we will right. fuck up. And if whatever we fuck up with, will rectify in making humor about whatever the fuck up was. That's what a comic does. Right. And it's, just, it's just, it's just about, and, and you know, whatever it's, uh, it's, I don't know, but man, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you could go back and look at the shit I've done. And I'm like, Ugh. like, I
1: remember, do you ever, do you ever, I mean, do you feel like, Hey man, that ship has sailed or is it still like, keep you up at night? Said man, if that thing came out, I mean, but, I guess you got advertising sponsors, but clubs I can't imagine pulling out.
0: No, no advertising. I mean, the people that advertise on this on this podcast and yeah. on any other, I mean, they all know me. Right, all, right, right. You know, like, I mean, they've, they've all listened to the podcast. They're fans of the podcast. So they get it. Um, I don't think I ever say anything to hurt anybody, right. but I've said all the words you're not allowed to say. I just said one earlier on this podcast, the R word. But like, I feel like in context, things are different than if, You're spewing hate filled ideas is what racism is, is like, and, and if I was up here saying women aren't worth dot, 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 then I think all, I think definitely everyone has a right to leave my podcast and even listeners and advertisers. Right. But I don't think anyone, I definitely, I know I haven't, I, I've never shared really hurtful thoughts. My goal is to make everyone laugh at the end of the day. Right. So if I fuck up along the way, I definitely rest my hat on the fact that, Hey man, I was trying to make you laugh. Like, right. I'm going to fuck up on that. Have, having said that, of course, I've, I've laid in bed. I've laid in bed. But Matt, I have a fucking Netflix series coming out where I'm like, I'm just going to get canceled. I'm just going to get canceled. Like I'm, And Netflix is airing it, knowing they're going to have to pull it. I actually sent an email this morning and I said, can we have a group call to see if everyone's comfortable with the content we're about to share and make sure that we are not going to lose all of my fans? And they're like, they're like, wait, what? Like, hold on. Are you? And I was like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of nudity. And that like, is you know? the
1: scariest thing.
0: But it's not is even that I of- You know what? It's not even, it's not even like nothing negative, like nothing right. negative, meaning like, like no groups are going to be really outraged or anything. It's just like, I take a lot of chances and I do a lot of fucked up shit. And I wonder like if people, like I do full blown stuff where you go, like if you're a fan of mine and you're, maybe a simpler person who, who doesn't like know about certain things or like just maybe you just found me cause you like beer drinking and, and you're like, I right. like the guy who drinks a beer. And then you see me getting a coffee enema by Bobby Lee. You're going to go like, <laughs> what the doctor, Bobby Lee, doc, Dr. Bobby Lee, <laughs> Bobby Lee sho- gives me a full blown fucking enema. And, and then I shit it everywhere. And I'm like, that's pretty aggressive. And I, like, and it keeps me up at night where I go, are people going to go like, what the fuck, man? I just wanted to see you be like the guy that walked in the scene and was like,
1: Hey, rip his shirt off. The <laughs> like, like I, I'm we, shitting Folgers right now. Like, dude, I shit all over him. And like, and it's like, <laughs> Oh, you shit on Bobby. Oh, all
0: over him. And so like, it's like certain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I'm worried about, man. That's what I'm worried
1: about. No, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to be horrified.
0: It's, but like, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like, hey, if we gave Bert a camera and a budget and his friends and we said, hey, what do you and your friends find funny? It's that. And so it's all the stuff we've been saying on podcast, yeah. but like in actualization and if we did it and do it. So like, yeah, I definitely, I, I'm not, I, and I think it's because we grew up in the system of the paycheck system yeah. where, we, where I'm like, I'm always cognizant of the brand of like going like, is this brand friendly? Like do Am, is what I'm doing or saying yeah. going to turn people off?
1: Well, listen, I, I, I clearly, you know, Ninja War is a very family-friendly show. I've been on Hallmark. I'm very cognizant of it, and it's, you know, it's not, a, not, not, it, it is something that is, you know, that I'm, I'm always aware of. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. I, I get, I'm jealous of, of, of the people when I see that when the idea of, I, I imagine some of it is just this idea of really being vulnerable. we like, hey, man. This isn't me on stage telling you what I think is funny. This is me just making myself and my friends laugh. And that idea of man, that's that's like the vulnerability of it, right? Going out there being because if it's a, a thing on stand-up, when they reject you in stand-up, then they didn't like the joke. They didn't like you. And and this is like that next level of, hey man, this is your mind come to life. So I imagine that's a scary position to be in where it's like, this is you, this is you naked emotionally and probably literally.
0: And my friends. And it's like, and it's like I remember. I remember, I think Tom texted me the first night we shot and he goes, you're not going to air that. Are you? And I'm <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to air all of it. And he was like, all right, man, are you going to edit some stuff out? Cause like we said some fucked up shit. And I was like, I, maybe, I don't know. Or like, I don't know. Let's see what's funny. And so like Whitney said this, every one of them said like, are you, gonna, are you airing that? And I'm like, yeah. So it's, but it's also the thing of like, you know, it's like, I was, I didn't want to just make some boring. Right. So I th- wanted it to be fun and I wanted people to go, holy shit, did you see dot dot dot? And so I wanted it to be a little out there.
1: Well, and- just think how proud your daughters are gonna be seeing you shit on Bobby Lee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not even the worst fucking thing. Okay.
1: <laughs> By the way, that's that's the trailer for the show. Me shitting on Bobby Lee isn't the worst thing you're gonna see. Tune in. There's one part where I go, the when
0: this when this series premieres. I know at what point I will start getting phone calls. My Like it'll go on Netflix at midnight and I will know oh. at, at, at 12 Oh two, all of a sudden my phones are going to fucking light up with like people going, bro. Like, so.
1: I That's right. And that is that thing of the immediacy that it's, it's not like people have to write letters to the studio. Now people go on Twitter, people go on into, they're going to say things and you're going to see them. If you look you at it,
0: but you know what, though, and I'll be off, and in all fairness, I think, and, and just to be safe and to tell everyone not to worry, but like I'm a little more cognizant of outrage. Like when I this special that I just put out, I was sitting with Tom and he was like, uh, Do you think anyone's going to get upset by it? And I said, No. And then he was like, Well, what, what's your opening joke? And I was like, oh, It's about uh, gender neutral bathrooms. And he was like, Oh, what's your next joke? I go about beating a woman. And he was like, what's your next joke?" <laughs> well, it's, about, uh, it's about putting my dick on the shoulder, sexual assault. What's your next joke? I go, what's well, a racial joke. And he was like, looked at me and he was like, wait, when do you get out of this? I go eight minutes in. I, and then I went, oh my God, man, I'm going to get canceled. People are going to see this and go, what happened to this guy? He's just a fucking meat. Like, and, and then I got really nervous and then it aired and all anyone said was, dude, I loved it. It was right. awesome. This is exactly what we needed during the pandemic. And you, I think people go like, I need the distraction. I think it's, it's, it's what comedy should people be. Want a distraction from regular life. People it's want like, pull me
1: out of, pull me out of fucking, get me into some lighthearted shit. And you know, one of your gifts on stage is you are, you're the life of the part, right? You, you, you don't feel vitriol coming out of you. You don't feel anger, right? I mean, you feel like, yeah. Hey man, I want, like, that's why we say like whatever I'm doing, I feel like I'm throwing a party. I want everyone to feel like I'm throwing a party and we're all but, having a good time.
0: That's exactly how I feel. I, I, that is exactly how I feel. So yeah, I feel like, um, I feel like comedy has never been more important since this fucking pandemic happened. I feel like, I feel like honestly, and I was thinking about this, I was like, you know what I should say to Matt? You picked a, in what we're going through, you are probably more valuable in what you do here than as a doctor. Yeah. Meaning you're out. Certainly me. Cause compassion. I wasn't a very
1: good doctor. <laughs> No, I, you're right. And the ability to reach people and provide that escape instead of helping one person at a time, this idea of being able to reach so many more, um, it is, you know, maybe it's delusional, but you're right. I, I think I, I, I love being able to give people an entertainment, a distraction to, you know, bring them some joy. I, I think it's, it's such a gift to get to do that. And it is one of the things like when you're, you know, I, I, I just say being on stage, when you're, when you're making a crowd laugh. Like, it's just like you're riding a wave, this energy of, of your, your, my mind is never as, as alive, as awake as it is. And it's one of those things, I don't care how tired I feel, how sick I feel, if I'm angry, when I hit the stage, like it all goes away. And it for, I, I think what it is, is it forces you to be present. And I realize like so much of life, particularly with the phones and everything, I just feel like it's you know chirping, distraction. And, and when you find those things where it's like, hey, man, I'm present in this moment. And 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 being on stage or being in front of the camera, like I feel that that's when I feel like I'm really present. And and I think right now, you know, everyone, we all have so much time and nothing but these thoughts of death and doom and the world ending. It's like, man, to, to have somewhere, it's just present and just laughing and just feeling like things are okay. I, that is, that's like an invaluable gift, man.
0: Yeah, I really, I really, I, I mean, I, I feel like, I'm ready for this fucking to be over. My agent's just texted and they're like, "Can we Ugh. hop on the phone today?" And I was like, "Please tell me that you have some plan that they're opening theaters up that you just got a call today and" well, there?
1: I mean, I know people are booking day. Who knows if they happen? Have you have you do you have stuff on the books? Yeah, I'm booked up until New
0: Year's Eve. But but we haven't released ticket sales yet because we just want to wait to find out what's going to uh, happen.
1: Hey, right. When when you hear people saying nothing over 50 people will go forward till a vaccine comes out. You're like, "Man, that could be it could be a year. That could be two years. It could be a long time. And the idea of, are you putting styling mousse in
0: Rogaine? I've been on Rogaine since I was 22. I just thought the other day, I was like, I wonder if this is going to give me brain cancer whatever. <laughs> you got to go somehow. Right. It's like what Jerry Stiller died today. Did you see that? Yeah. And you know what? Someone, someone told me they were like, you know, what's fucking great about Jerry Stiller every day after King of Queens, you'd go over to this bar and him and his wife would be getting fucking hammered, having a blast. And the guy lived till 92. Yeah. And you're like, well, "Dude, who cares if you got
1: some strength? That's who I want to be. <laughs> That's who I want to be." I mean, it's funny till the end it seemed like, man. That's that is the way you want to go, right? Just kind of yeah. you know, die just killer on stays. Like you finish, walk off and just say goodnight.
0: That's I'm definitely going to have a part in my this new book I'm concocting in my head about luck where uh where you go, "Hey man, some type people live healthy and it's that old uh that old Bill Hicks joke about uh, the runner who yeah Jim Fix bed. I think it was right Fix and then he yeah. died of a heart attack. Huel Brenner fucking used to smoke cigarettes. We're looking at him driving, and Huel Brenner lived fly forever. <laughs> you never know. You never <laughs> well, know. He
1: died of cancer. that's actually a bad example with Hugh Brenner. <laughs> oh,
0: my dad. My dad. I'm thinking of that. He did. He did that video. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, if you're watching this, I'm
1: dead. Don't smoke. If you're watching this, I'm like dead. this is a real feel good commercial. That's the robot from Westworld.
0: By the way, do you know how many times I've started videos? If you're watching this, then I'm dead. I've started so many videos Uh, that way.
1: uh, But to really be like, no, I'm going to be dead soon. Like, we're all all dying. No, no, no. I have (laughs) eight. There's an expiration date, and it's very soon. You're gambling. You're gambling being with me because I should be dead.
0: Dude, uh, this was a great
1: fucking podcast. Dude, again, highlight. Thank God for that. This is. It's such it's such a blast talking with you, man. I, I you think you a great are the life. Setup of the there. Are you doing a podcast out of there? I I've been, you know, I, I have a podcast game show factor. We recorded it in October. It's called Factorious and it's out. And I've just been participating in a lot of podcasts. This was for voiceover. Um, I've been kicking it around. Like I, you know, like uh, this is you know, this is the time where it's like, man, what are you doing? What are you doing with your what career? are you, what are you doing? doing with your life? And so I'm I'm uh I I am I'm I'm endeavoring to, you know, it's this thing of just fucking do it. Just do it. Do it. Yeah. I've been. I've been. Co- I know you're cooking. Too, like I. I just started to cook in the lockdown, so I've been kind of doing a mornings with Matt Rob, just going through. I call it reinventing cooking because I've never cooked before. I'm doing like. Look mm. at me doing scrambled. I'm poached an egg. Is this amazing?
0: By the way, watch Gior- Gordon Ramsay's tutorial on how to scramble an egg. And it'll be that's, the scramble. his
1: cornbread. his masterclass is what got me into cooking. I was just was sitting there. I was and I just was bored during quarantine. And I I watched, I'm like, I'm gonna start cooking. This guy's passion made me believe I could. I, he that that's when again, like when you watch someone who's good at it. Who's good at something? I like, I don't care what if it's nothing I like to do. I love that passion. And, and he got me into cooking. So
0: yeah, dude. I've I've made it. my wife does not like his scrambled egg, but God, I fucking oh, love it. Oh, a little
1: butter, a little fluff with the oh. chives on it.
0: Oh. Top notch. Top notch. But yeah, this has been awesome, man. I dude. Appre- I appreciate it, Burp. I'm glad we've been working on getting this to happen for like I, I want to say a year now. Busy men. Busy <laughs> men. <laughs> well, one dude. morning, I
1: will say it was supposed to happen in one morning. Your, your, your uh, cousin, Andrew goes, Burt went a little hard last night. Ain't happening today. I'm like, that's my guy. That's my guy.
0: <laughs> that is someone. I, t- I tweeted a picture of me having a beer and I had, you know, <laughs> I had drank it all in like uh, whatever, 50 days or 40 days. And I tweeted a beer and I said in the thing, uh, do you guys count one beer as drinking cuz I personally don't. I was like I also don't see marijuana as a drug. Live your own life. Don't be defined by other people's standards. And Joe Coy goes, "That's the Burt we know and love."
1: <laughs> oh, glorious times my man.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it's
1: I can't wait to, when's the show coming out.
0: I have no idea. We're still in the edit. We, we we had to we had to pick some we're still picking some things out of it, Matt.
1: Mm. <laughs> So's Bobby Lee. I'm sure he's
0: uh, well listen brother stay safe thank, thank you for you doing this man always all right i'll talk to you later sounds
1: good Bert. thank all you right, bud. Bert.
0: this episode was brought to you by the machine